When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The crux of the theory is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic cult of pedophiles and cannibals. Does that sound like something you are behind? Or well, I haven't, I haven't heard that, but uh, is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, you know, if, uh, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there. And we are, actually. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Syndicate. Today we are looking back at the HBO groundbreaking documentary, Q Into the Storm, and the events that inspired the docuseries. But before we go down the rabbit hole, I am joined by two returning guests, the first is a age-old guest from season one, Josh Beck. Welcome back to the show. I'm so glad you're back. Thanks for having me, Armand. And the next guest is returning favorite, Aaron Hulian from WSTR, Galactic Public Access. Aaron, welcome back to the show. Favorite? You're quite generous with that, Armand. <laughs> you're a favorite in my eyes. And Josh, you're a favorite too. Don't worry. Oh. glad to be here thanks for having me yeah i'm glad you two are back and today is a whopper of a discussion where we're going to be talking about QAnon and the hbo documentary series that they did on the whole movement called q into the storm and we're going to get into the storm that is january 6th so but before we get into all of that i have to ask you two starting with you josh how did you first hear about q Well, I would say, like everyone, I followed the news pretty closely most of 2020 with everything going on, the pandemic included, of course. 
And among all the noise of major news outlets and more fringe news outlets, I suppose you could call them, and also just conversation happening on social media, uh, this Q persona that a lot of alt-right-wing groups were following, and eventually a lot of candidates were even starting to kind of reference in passing, uh, came up in my newsfeed a lot of the time. So that's when I first heard about it. I did a little bit of my own, like, digging, you know, starting with Wikipedia, looked in a few different places, and it was like, oh, okay, this is just some person or symbol that people are gathering around. That's what I initially knew of Q before digging into this documentary. So it's been a pretty informative ride for me, to say the least. Very interesting. And how about you, Aaron? Well, Armand, um, I used to work at a radio station on like a current events uh, slash talk show uh, type deal. And uh, so part of my job was just having a finger on the pulse of, of the news and pulling daily news stories and things like that. So um, I was kind of aware, like Josh, I was kind of aware of Q from a distance, but um, didn't really dig too deep into what it was all about or anything like that. Um, till my, uh, stepmom became a fan and, uh, that's a, yeah, that's a, we could have a whole conversation about that, but, um, (laughs) it it was kind of like, it's kind of like finding out a friend of yours is a furry. And And then the, the, the deeper you look into the furry world, like the less sense it makes, that's kind of how it was for me. Um, as, as far as the documentary goes, it's probably the least interesting story of all. I was just bored one day and looking for a documentary documentary to watch because I was just in, in a documentary mood and uh, just scrolling through HBO Max, found this and I'm like, perfect. Great. That's uh, the next six hours are spoken for. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting because my introduction to Q is kind of like a combination between both of you. So Growing up, let's dial the clock back. So growing up, when I was like early teenager, I got into conspiracy theory and uh, mm. I discovered, stumbled upon Alex Jones, InfoWars. And that's how I got my feet wet with conspiratorial thoughts, whether it's JFK, 9-11, uh, the like. And growing up with it made me discern like, What's an actual conspiracy theory? For example, Gulf of Tonkin, why we got into the Vietnam War, sank our own battleship, blamed it on the Viet Cong. And discerning from bullshit conspiracy theories, like the Earth is flat or dinosaurs aren't real, like that type of stuff. What about Sasquatch? (laughs) Bigfoot is real. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll get back in my lane. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, so but yeah going going back into it like with q like when when did q populate like around 2016 2017 around when donald trump became president and at that point it was just like conspiracy theory was kind of like a pop culture thing for me where it's like oh most of it's just i treat it like how people treat true crime it's like oh this is kind of like kind of like uh entertainment not like actual mm-hmm. information like oh this is like a fun thought 
like what if aliens were in charge of the governments and like like other bs stuff like that and then when yeah. QAnon like became a thing i was in that mindset where i was like looking at like you know i don't really care to know i've heard of it but like is it is it legit who knows because i don't really give a shit to look into it and then it wasn't until a friend of mine got into it. And I was like, and Josh, actually, both of you know who this person is. I know. I don't even have to say. I know exactly who you're talking about, but please. <laughs> like, <clears throat> and like with those types of crazy people, like, it's like, like you said, Aaron, it's like, it's like finding out your friend's a furry. It's like, yeah, I thought I knew you clearly. I never knew you. <laughs> yeah. And you have this deep secret in, in your life where you believe that Donald Trump is the savior. And there, there's this battle between light and dark within our own governments. Yeah. <laughs> and so like approaching this individual, I was like, I'm clearly not going to change their mind. They're way too down the rabbit hole. And to be honest, I, I think they're still down there because I haven't talked to them since. And they went off the deep end big time. They don't Oof. talk to me. Like, <clears throat> oh, wow. Like, Aaron, you and I live in Chicago. So he, he, mm. this individual believes that anybody that lives in Chicago is uh -oh. a communist. Of course. Oh, my God. I'm like, somebody should have told me. <laughs> I was like, okay um that's not true but whatever <laughs> and to make a long story short like i was just trying to figure out like okay how does this person operate what's going through your mind where do you get your information from and he pretty much said like i get all my information from these q drops and you know there are people that decipher them we call them the bakers and oh my gosh he's like he actually like <laughs> like the documentary <laughs> And there's some people, you know, the, the Q prophets. I mean, I personally like JFK prophets. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he's in the know, man. He's in the know. Wow. He's in the know. Either he's in the know and I know nothing or this guy is a complete lunatic. I think uh, time has proven himself to be where he's a lunatic. But <laughs> anyways, let's get back on to the documentary. So that was how I found out about Q. And it's like, you know... If I never got into conspiracy theories when I was younger, would I have fallen for this crap? Maybe. Because I've seen a lot of sensible people fall into conspiracy theory traps as of late. Mm. You know, with the pandemic, uh, people calling it the plandemic, that this was orchestrated by the government and for, uh, to take away yeah. freedoms. And then that closely you know, links into the QAnon movements where it's like... Yeah. It's like, yeah, there, there are, quote, real conspiracies, but it's like, I don't think there's like dinosaurs in the center of the earth or like, like, like I said, there's this battle between light and darkness. Yeah. And a real estate tycoon turned president is at the center of it as a savior figure. It's like, <laughs> get the fuck out of town. To, like, to yeah. be fair, like, like, it's like, it's like cryptozoologists, right? Like at the end of the day, most cryptozoologists, like you meet them and they're very much in the club of I'm in the special group because I know this, because I know where Bigfoot lives and I'm the chosen one to know where Bigfoot lives. I met him. It's, I get that. I got that same energy from folks who unfortunately fall down the conspiracy rabbit hole of 9-11 was planned or JFK was shot by the CIA or, or Hitler's still alive. He was snuck out of the bunker by uh, by the by like a group of like by Einstein or something. You know that yes. kind of crazy level of like conspiracy. There, people are just like, I'm the chosen one. I'm special. 
So it's right. that same energy. Because they're privy to a special set of knowledge yeah. people that the normies aren't privy to. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I have the secret knowledge. Do you want to know about it? Do you want to get red-pilled? Would you like to know more? I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because um, you, and maybe this is appropriate for later in the discussion, but you're editing this. You could put it wherever you want. Um, <laughs> people who believe these kinds of conspiracy theories, it's not because they're dumb. It's not because they are entirely irrational, um, but it comes from a place... We're tempted to think of people as if they're perfectly rational beings, but that's not the case at all. We 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 think that if you present people with the right information and the most complete set of information, they will follow it down like a flow chart and end up at the truth. It's not quite like that. Um, we're we're not nearly as rational as we'd like to think that we are. And you could be highly intelligent, but also be driven by your emotions to interpret information in a certain way. The same information that somebody else can be look at and be like, that's complete horseshit. Um, you could you could see the same thing. And because of your emotional state or needs that you have um, can arrive at a completely separate conclusion and conspiracy theories in particular um psychologically it comes from a place of wanting to it comes from a place of having a lack of control and having um feeling powerless and helpless in a world that doesn't make sense to you and what conspiracy theories do is that they provide a kind of overarching story that attempts to make sense of uh anxiety inducing events and things that don't make sense um, and the, the best ones make you feel like it, it, they also give you a sense of purpose and meaning by kind of inviting you into, uh, in, into this club where those who know, those who are in on it, um, those who have access to this kind of privileged information, they're, they're the heroes of this story. And, um, it, it's, it's. What's the word? It's self-sealing because um, when when there are gaps in the story or parts of the story that don't make sense, we can get into us into this later. Um, when you believe in the kind of story that pits the opposition as like not to be trusted and always liars, then when they actually tell you things like this theory has been discredited, there's no evidence for this, um, you interpret that you interpret it as they have to be lying about it. So therefore that proves that this conspiracy theory is true it's a it's a it's an aerobarus it's a snake eating its own tail um yeah it's really really fascinating but the important thing is like when you feel like you're left behind in a world that's moving on without you or that the world is a dreadful place and going to hell in a handbasket just doesn't make any complete sense your intelligence is not going to get you out of that one. Um, when the right person comes along with the right story that appeals to those needs, you'll be willing to believe that. And that's what's most fascinating for me with this whole QAnon thing. Um, going off of what you're saying, it actually reminded me of that whole idea of like extremism and how it's born. Like it's born in mm -hmm. 
like hotbeds of desperation. So it's why most people who buy into these uh, conspiracy theories also happen to have a intersection like a big venn diagram people who believe in conspiracy theories fervently almost like it's a religion they intersect the same people who have membership in extremist groups like it's Mm -hmm. it's conspiracy theories are extremism of thought they're radical it's radical thinking and membership in extremist groups are those groups that are then putting uh action behind that thought yes yeah conspiracy Mm -hmm. theories are often uh, great recruiting grounds for extremist groups, yep. either that make that conspiracy theory or are kind of hijacking it yeah. to. Um, it, it's kind of like Nigerian prince email scams, where yeah, you know they're 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 full of spelling errors and um, it, it, it's it's a very tenuous offer that they're making that doesn't make complete sense, and it's that way by design. The people who actually do respond to those tend to be the ones that are the most gullible and naive and are therefore the most willing to actually follow through with the scam. Um, it's it, it, it's not exactly the same, but very similar with conspiracy theories where the kind of person who's willing to believe in something that doesn't accord with reality is the most likely to be willing to be recruited into extremist groups. Well, well I mean, I mean, you have to... Let me look at the Red Scare in the United States. I'm I'm a kind of like a you know pseudo intellectual when it comes to history, and as I'm really interested in history as a hobby, and mm. I remember reading about the Red Scare and a big part of that propaganda that lured so many what well, were at the time very educated Americans into basically calling in their neighbors as communists, even though there was no real evidence for it, was to create this conspiracy theory that oh the KGB has agents everywhere. They could be your neighbor. They could mm. be your grandmother. They could literally be anybody and if they're the kgb or they're russian or they're immigrants or they're next person next person next person they're undermining everything they're going to destroy our government they're going to assassinate the president you know these wild conspiracy theories that would be couched very very comfortably within uh all everything russian everything communist everything from a different country is bad so Mm -hmm. that's really interesting that you bring that up you guys um but yeah with conspiracy theories, it preys on those, kind of like how you put it, Aaron, with the Nigerian phone scam. Uh, it sounds too good to be mm-hmm. true. And you want it to be true. Because it would make life so much easier. Like with the whole 9-11 thing, it's like, well, the government did it. Well, why? Uh, to pillage the Middle East for its resources. You know, it just makes it into this nice little package with a nice little bow. It just makes sense of everything instead of the quagmire that it that form policy uh, can be, where it's like it doesn't make sense, or it makes sense if you study it for like ten years, and maybe you'll kind of know why any of this happens. And it's really interesting, and with the whole QAnon movements. It does the same thing. It preys on those who want to make sense where you have this corrupt government that we're under. And it's like, why is it corrupt? Well, you know, the Democrats are pedophiles and they, you know, suck the blood out of children for uh, power and whatever. It's like, once you go down the rabbit hole, there is no bottom. And 
you just have to make sense of it. And making sense out of life is hard as it is. So it's easier just to listen to a crackpot theory that kind of puts you in this like hero complex yes. where it's like, not only am I privy to this information, but I am on the side of good and I will stop these evil, I'll stop these evil doers from getting their way. And it's up to me and people that think like me to stop it. And it's like, that would make an excellent movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> but life is not a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And in particular, these kind of conspiracy theories tend to gather around the kind of events that put evil kind of at, at the forefront right. in an unavoidable way. Um, and th- this is my speculation at this point, but my theory as to why that is, is because it's these conspiracy theories are used as a tool to help explain evil and suffering in a way that is manageable and makes sense instead of in the more terrifying reality that it actually is. Um, it's, for example, it's a lot easier for me to believe that morally speaking, it's a lot easier for me to believe that, um, corrupt government officials orchestrated the terrorist attacks on the trade center than it is to me to believe that just some random dudes with some box cutters and some determination could just hijack the next plane that I'm on and, and fly into a building. Like that's, that's a very terrifying and unsettling reality to come face to face with. And for a lot of people, it just doesn't make sense. And it's a lot easier to say, these specific people did it. I could put them in a box and just shove them to the side and I don't have to think about it instead of, oh, the people who did this were just as human as you or I. And in the wrong circumstances, I easily could have been that person. So there's a there's a moral component to it where we don't want to look at the kind of evil in our own hearts to come to grips with that kind of very, very public, unavoidable evil. Exactly. It holds up a mirror to society, mm-hmm. a black yes. mirror. <laughs> Good reference. Man. Speaking of references, let's get into the docuseries of yes. HBO, Into the Storm. So before we get into it, how, I mean, Aaron, you explained how you first encountered Q Into the Storm. Josh, how did you first encounter Q Into the Storm? And what were your first reactions watching it for the first time? So actually, I didn't even know this documentary existed until you invited me on this podcast. Oh hey. So um <laughs> yeah, I haven't re- I haven't really been keeping up with um a lot of the not to not to obviously cast an entire group of people as negative, but I haven't really been keeping up with kind of the extremism coming out of, you know, a lot of alt-right groups, especially since 2020 ended and the Obviously, we'll talk about towards the end, but the cumulative January 6th uh, storming of the Capitol happened. You know, I haven't really given it a ton of thought. I've seen passing headlines here and there regarding the investigation and, you know, the arrests and the trials and the sentencings and all that. You know, I've been keeping an eye on that for the most part. Um, but I haven't really thought beyond that, you know, beyond scratching that surface. So this documentary was very much not in my uh, 
not in my kind of foremost vision um, until you point it in my direction. So um, first impressions, positive, um, honestly. Like the production values really blew me away. Um, I was surprised at how objective the director was and how really to the nose uh, journalism he did. Like I didn't feel as though he was disregarding from the get-go the conspiracy theories that were the focus of the documentary. And I didn't feel like he was taking sides immediately either. He was presenting it as, let me talk to these people, let them voice their opinions, let's not frame it in some weird way. Um, and you know what? A lot of them sounded like, to Aaron's point, really intelligent people for the most part that normally you wouldn't think would fall for these kind of things. Other people, unfortunately, fell into stereotypes, which were, oh, huh, you think Donald Trump is chosen by God. Of course you believe Q mm. exists. <laughs> like, so um, where others were very clearly profiteers who were looking to you know, make money or some mm. other agenda, like the Watkinses, for yes. example. Um, so that was my first impression at a high level. I was surprised by the objectivity and the quality of the documentary or the docu the docu series i guess you call it and i was delighted how deep he dug and how non-biased he attempted to be right throughout the entirety of the six episodes that he edited and showed right like it felt more of a ethnography rather than yeah. a documentary because no matter what Every documentary has an agenda. They have a story to tell. They're telling mm. a story, and that story has a narrative. Uh, with this, like you said, he was just letting the people speak for itself. And he was letting the camera roll, man. Sometimes he put the camera down and just let them yeah. talk. Like, <laughs> like that was that was really that's the kind of journalism I appreciate. Just yeah. complete. You're you're someone there with a camera and you ask simple questions and you let the people you're recording do the rest. It felt genuine like because like you're yes. peering into the lives of these people like it's not just a it's not just a documentary on QAnon, but like a documentary of like 4chan or something awful and like all these like alternative websites where people congregate and i think it did an excellent job because like to the normie um they have no idea what these subcultures do how they operate like it, it truly is like another culture and that's why i say it's an ethnography because like this journalist is looking into this world and trying to not only make sense of it but like present it to those who have no idea that it even exists and how QAnon yeah penetrated it and then took advantage of that platform and and i think what's even more interesting and i'm speaking from experience that goes years back so in my undergraduate i did um or rather i applied for some grants almost got selected but everything else got too busy for me to finalize a proposal uh but i did some undergraduate research um that was going to go into a graduate program on i think you guys might like this but nazis in government in german government after the fall of mm. at the end of world war ii um so you know books that are like oh secret nazis hiding in plain sight hiding in argentina and all that and kind of exploring that material in the context outside of conspiracy theories and framing this that research uh kind of, well this kind of harked back to that research i did of well, even though a lot of this is really wild and the conspiracy theories themselves, the Q, the persona and who people think he is, and the followers and the adherents of it are outlandish. What's beyond that, the truth and who's benefiting off and what's really there is much more terrifying. 
like the fact that there probably was people in the Trump White House that were participating in it and using it, that there were people going on 8chan that were sitting on their phones right in the Oval Office <laughs> posting on 8chan, either as Q or as somebody else participating in those boards. Um, the fact that some people that were advising the president were taking advice from an anonymous person on 8chan, like that's some scary stuff. And uh, it's the same thing in the research I did regarding you know, it's not so terrifying that Hitler might be hiding in Argentina starting the Fourth Reich. What's more terrifying is that police chief in Berlin was an SS officer who murdered eight people in World War II. Mm. Like, that's more terrifying. <laughs> wow. You know, the, the, scare, the terrifying reality beyond the uh, absurd conspiracy is what interested and excited me a lot about this. Right. Because, like, when I first heard of Q, like I said, I didn't really look into it. All I knew was... Somebody in the White House or someone close to the president is leaking information. And that's all I knew. I didn't look into it other than, other than the surface level. That's the tagline. That's all I knew. But just like watching this documentary and like seeing the influence that this Q entity had over our government, our media, normal people, it's... It's interesting how the veil of power was lifted mm -hmm. during that time. Because like you think like there's like, you know, checks and balances and it's like like truly the president can't be, you know, inspired by an anon, an an, an anonymous person, you know. And then watching this document, it's like clearly whoever this person was, which we'll get into, had a lot of power to even sway the oval office that's hmm. it, it 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 rocks and shakes the foundations of which our government and society are based upon that one random person can change the course of history it's it's just mm -hmm. insane it's like that spartacus moments absolutely so before we go any further into the storm listeners of the show know what time oh, baby it's, it's time for some elevator pitches. Please stand clear of the closing door. So for those that don't know, if you're selling a movie or a documentary series to a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So today on Syndicate, I'm going to simulate that by putting one minute on the clock. And since I have two guests, I'm going to split that time between 30 seconds each. Josh, I'm going to have you start. I'm going to have you summarize. Cue into the storm within 30 seconds. And then after a 30-second mark, Aaron, you're going to finish Josh's pitch. Are you two ready? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. We're going to start in three, two, one, go. Q, Into the Storm, is a six-episode docuseries examining the Q persona, its origins, the conspiracy theories, and people surrounding it, and the part it played in extreme of mo extremist movements, plus the January 6th storming of the Capitol, and, of course, relevant political narrative that utilized it. Aaron, go. Oh, my God. Okay, so uh, the key players that this docuseries focuses on, Jim Watkins, Ron Watkins, and Frederick Brennan. Who are those people? Well, you'll find out in this docuseries. But they're instrumental in 8chan, which is the platform that Q uh, posted the Q drops onto. And this, this series tries to discover who is Q. Wow. With 15 seconds to spare, you guys did a great job. So, yeah, I mean, 
It's it's pretty easy to navigate this docuseries. It's uh, this shadowy entity that gained political power, and it's through this weird image board, 8chan. Started on 4chan and Reddit, but quickly went to 8chan when they saw the crap that they were posting. Like, hmm, let's ban this. <laughs> and that went to literally the armpits of the of the internet's HM. Yes. I just it's just weird how cuz I didn't look into Q at all, but like if I learned that Q these quote informational Q drops within the United States uh White House was coming out of 4chan and 8chan, I'd be like, "Oh. <laughs> what?" Like it's mm-hmm. the equivalent of like if Julian Assange or Edward Snowden uh, leaked information from the government on somethingawful.com, ytmnd.com, <laughs> like these like weird websites, yeah, it's, it, it doesn't does, doesn't make sense at all. Unless you're already bought into it. <laughs> exactly. Unless, unless you're in the know, Armand. Unless they're already attacking political opponents, which with which you disagree. Right. So sure, not a not a normie, Armand. I am totally not a normie. Well, maybe I am a normie. I'm a secret normie. <laughs> oh my gosh. Aren't we all secret normies? Whoa. We never, we, we never want to call ourselves normies, but I guess we're all secret normies. I mean, statistically, we're probably normies. We're normies. Yeah. <laughs> Someone has to be. Normies with the podcast. That <laughs> would be a great podcast. Normies with a mic. Three normies mm. and a mic. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. So, Aaron, you mentioned them. Jim and Ron Watkins. Could you tell our listeners a little bit more about who those individuals are? Yes. So they're not the founders of of 8chan, but um, when the whole Q thing took off, it started on 4chan and Reddit, then got too controversial. So they needed a new home. Uh, It went to 8chan, which... 8chan is basically the Wild West of the Internet. Um, It's pretty much anything goes there. Um, There's very, very few things that they'll actually remove from that website. Um, That website was founded by uh, Frederick Brennan. And uh, eventually 8chan, um, it got because of the whole Q thing, it got so controversial that uh, the Internet provider for 8chan's website cut off its service they needed a new home so uh that's where the watkins step in if i recall correctly jim watkins is a uh american uh businessman who um ended up moving to the philippines and Mm -hmm. for whatever reason he had a business interest in 8chan and wanted to keep it going and so uh basically bought it out from frederick brennan and he and his son, Ron Watkins, uh, essentially ran the website um, alongside Frederick Brennan until, and it's not really clear even from the documentary what exactly happened, but there was some big rift between Brennan and the Watkins. And so Frederick Brennan left 8chan, basically left it to the Watkins, and uh, Brennan himself has... Uh, in, in, in some ways spoken against HN, what they do has kind of distanced himself from it, but still maintains uh, quite the reputation on the website and uh, for having founded it. So th- th- this is kind of where um, 
for me, the documentary series basically felt a lot like Tiger King, where you have these very uh, <laughs> eccentric, strange personalities connected to this really weird thing on the internet. And a lot of the... I, I don't know how he did it, the guy who made the documentary, but he basically gained the trust of all three of these people enough to just like hang out with them and spend time with them and just like get each side of their story of what happened. And uh, it just gets more and more bizarre the more you hear about it. It's probably the best way I could put it. I think it makes sense that these individuals allowed this journalist in because say like I had a website, say like an HBO journalist was like, hey, I want to do a story on this podcast. I'll be like, sure, come on in. You can mm-hmm. follow me around all day. Like, no problem. And like with Jim and Ron Watkins, it makes even more sense because of the events that transpire in this documentary because like they want fame and infamy and power. So to achieve that, no wonder they they allowed HBO into their lives. Of course they're going to. Of course, yeah, follow me around with the camera. Document mm. my, what I'm doing. Look at my website. Like, look at this. I, I'm not Q. I don't, I don't know who Q is. I, I'm not even political, you know, <laughs> with, with politics. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, it, may, it, it makes total sense. And then um, if I can talk about uh, Frederick Brennan, I think the reason why there was a grift between him and the Watkins is because 8chan, like he started 8chan because like he wanted a unfettered website that hosted the truest form of free speech. Like, yeah, you would take down like the illegal stuff, but like people have the right to truly express themselves uh, on the internet because like since he's a disabled man with a genetic deformity, he felt like when he was online, that was washed away. He was just a, he was just a normal guy, like his hmm. physical body and like the social implications that go along with that were erased. And so that's why he held the First Amendments of the U.S. Constitution so highly regarded because like it made him just like any other person that wouldn't have happened in his real life day to day interactions. And the reason why he then did a heel turn with the website is because he realized having unfettered conversations led to just the perfect breeding ground for extremism. Like you said, um, Josh, like, like with these alt-right websites, um, it just breeds hate. And he saw that culminates into the Christchurch shooting and the Walmart El Paso shooting, where yeah. these people came from 4chan and 8chan. They posted their manifesto there, and they even live-streamed it, uh, them shooting up these places on 8chan. And it's like, and when Brennan saw that, he was like, you know what? No. Like, this website needs to be shut down. Yeah, so those are kind of the... Uh, the main figures, the main personalities at the center of this documentary series. Um, they they also take some time to cover kind of the main influencers behind the the QAnon movement. Um, mm-hmm. As far as the they call you them Q tubers. Q tubers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People on YouTube and elsewhere who they're they're basically like interpreting the Q drops and. 
um, synthesizing it in a way that helps people keep track of the story going on. And they're kind of lesser figures in this whole story, but they're kind of equally as important. And I'm, I'm glad that the documentary series uh, spent some time with them. Um, I think that might be interesting yeah. to talk about. Yeah, because like each one of these Q-tubers come at QAnon for different reasons. Like we talked about it mm-hmm. before. Like one is this uh, evangelical Christian where he has uh, the cross on his right and on the left a, a portrait of Donald Trump. He's like, I have Trump uh, almost equal to God and he's watching yeah. over me. That's his war face. I love it when he makes that face. <laughs> <laughs> so I we have like that, that yeah. type of guy. <laughs> and then like we have um, kind of like someone who's interested in the more monetization aspect looks like you know there's a huge audience for this my channel's growing on youtube and it's simply because i'm talking about q and making it understandable for people so you looked at it at a monetary point business yeah it's a like business grif- opportunity grifting. yeah i mean like i don't have many regrets in life but like I totally would have been one of those grifters. I was like, you know what? I can make a quick book out of this. I know how conspiracy theories work. I can bullshit around. Yeah. <laughs> but I have a conscience. I, I don't, I I don't know. I, don't, I, feel, I feel like that would just come back to bite somebody in the ass, right? Like, like I can't help but feel that once you get knee deep in something like that and you start making money off it, like it, before the age of information, I would say, yeah, it's possible to get away with something like that scot-free. But nowadays, one quick Google search and you see everything a person was tied to, what they published, what they posted, like, and the Q movement's now been involved in some pretty historic violence and events. So like those, those grifters, unfortunately, or fortunately, that decide to try and, you know, line their pockets. Now, when people search them historically, uh, the Q movement and anything they published. Well, the Q movement was involved in January 6th. And it's like, oh, this person who, you know, Bob Ross, who wrote this book really quick about all these conspiracy theories. Oh, he also published a book about that. January 6th, Bob Ross. Oh. Bob Ross. <laughs> so, the painter? Yeah, you know, exactly. Right. <laughs> Joe Sixpack, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Happy little use. trees. Happy little trees on the Happy Capitol little trees. Hill. Happy little trees now. in the Capitol Hill. <laughs> yeah there's no walking there's no walking that back um that no. will follow yeah. you forever yeah and like with a lot of these qtubers like to note like they were like okay and like the storm is coming like you know the the mass arrests are coming uh q is the the way he knows and then when all of that came out to be a a fallacy they pivoted to I'm trying to be, I'm being censored. They're coming after me. Like, they don't want to hear what I have to say. Like, <laughs> it's completely ridiculous. Like, there there always has to be a bad guy. Like, with Q, the bad guy was uh, the left. Like, they're, they're eating babies. Like, they're trying to take away your freedoms. They're trying to overthrow the government from Donald Trump. And then when all that went away, they're like, uh, everyone that doesn't agree with me, they're trying to take me down. Give me money well, so you can still hear what I have to say. Mm. Oh, come on. To be, to be fair, I really liked the, what the documentary did paralleling historic. Like there's that one episode that looked at historic challenges to free speech. Like, for example, the, uh, 
you know, American Nazi parties march in here in Skokie, Illinois. Um, miles away Illinois from Nazis. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that was the same thing that like those clips, the documentary used of members of the American Nazi party saying, Oh, they're bullying us. They're attacking us. And, and Oh my God, thank God I can exercise my right to be as hateful as possible. Like just like, it's the same thing where it's like, you're talking about going into the Capitol and mass executing elected officials. But yes, people are bullying you. <laughs> <laughs> like that was, so when I first watched the documentary, I was shocked. Like, I, I mean, you know, we're all from Illinois. Like we heard about, I think his name is Art Bell. Maybe not Art Bell, but like something like that, where we have this politician who runs every year and he doesn't get a whole lot of votes, but he still gets votes where he's <laughs> openly like, I am part of the American Nazi party. I want Ooh. to be the governor of Illinois. And he gets like around a thousand votes. So either there's our, there are a thousand Nazis in Illinois, which that might be a low number, or it's just people that don't know and they're just voting for random people. They don't like Blagojevich or, uh, that's an old reference, Jesus. They don't like <laughs> That's Prince an old reference. <laughs> Jeez. I forgot. Yeah, Isn't he, is he out of prison now? Thanks He's to Trump. Out of prison, Speaking yeah. of which, <laughs> you, got, you got that Trump part, man. <laughs> Oh man, I forgot what year it was. I was like, oh my God. Anyways, but yeah, like that was like eye opening. But like the key differences between that event in Skokie, uh, which is predominantly a Jewish area, I've been there. I went to this delicious delicatessen up there. Great food. I love it. It just blows my mind that, that not only is that a historic case, that's right over here. Mm-hmm. Like people in straight up brown shirts, swastika armbands, like like Hugo Boss looking people marching up and down doing the Sieg Heil. And it's like, what? This is happening in America? And I'm surprised they didn't do Zion, Illinois. <laughs> and like the, the key difference between that demonstration and with QAnon is that it wasn't violent. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just expressing their political thought, which is totally uh, covered in the first in the First Amendment, with QAnon, there was action behind it. Not only was it they were expressing their political views, there was uh, incitement with their words, where they broke into the Capitol. That's illegal. The uh, um, I'm not equivocating the two. By the way, I'm not saying they're the same thing, but. The Nazi demonstration in Skokie is basically trying to accomplish similar goals as, say, the Satanic Temple is with religious groups, where the Satanic Temple, it's not really about worshiping Satan. It's about um, uh, religious and human rights, uh, egalitarianism, social justice, separation of church and state. But they're deliberately picking imagery that will... Uh, trigger the religious types who are clamoring for constitutional rights that will deny rights to other people. And so it's it's basically a game that they're playing where they are pulling off certain actions in order to kind of secure, um, uh, secure kind of equal rights for all. And 
uh, kind of from the other spectrum, the Illinois Nazis are kind of playing the same game where they're, you know, trying to exercise their uh, rights to free speech, which, of course, they have uh, just for horrible, horrible ends, Um, which is absolutely not the same as what ended up happening on January 6th, where you have actually people dying and a, a invasion of the White House itself. Right. Like, unlike the Satanists who erected a statue of Baphomet, um, I don't see QAnon erecting a statue of, I don't know, Hillary Clinton eating children mm. or a giant Moloch uh, demon that they believe that all Democrats <laughs> uh, worship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, if they did that, it's like, okay, you're like making a statement. But like, the action the violence it just i mean you pivoted from a fringe political group to domestic terrorists Mm -hmm. shall we get into the beliefs of like QAnon? let's do it so here we go all right here we go so (laughs) yeah we talked about it before so like QAnon, like it's kind of like a super group if you look at it with like music because like in music you have like all these different bands and like say like a member from each band makes a new band that's a super group um with QAnon, it's kind of like the super group of conspiracy theories because it's not just one conspiracy theory like oh the jfk was murdered by the cia or 9-11 was orchestrated by the bush family QAnon is like a whole bunch of conspiracies all rolled up into one. Mm -hmm. It's multi-tiered. Yes. Yeah. And how many, how many, how many tiers you understand gives you more like kind of, I guess, brownie points in the Q community because you're like, Oh, I understand more about this than you do. You have been red pilled as deeply as I have. (laughs) Exactly. It's like this um, mode of ascension. Like the the more yeah. you are well versed in the whole Q lore and like Q conspiracy theories, the more people are going to gravitate towards you. Hence, why you have the Q tubers. These I mentioned it earlier, the bakers, because of my crackpot old friend, ex friend, who Ooh. got into this rabbit hole, and like it's like it's just so fucking weird because like so like. <laughs> So, like, one aspect is, like, Pizzagate, elite child trafficking and comic ping-pong pizza or voodoo donuts. Uh, you know, that's tied to... Then that's tied to Jeffrey Epstein. And then that's mm-hmm. tied to Trump being uh, the savior that's trying to stop these pedophiles. Then it's, like, light and dark. That's where religion comes right. into play. And then the Catholic Church is actually evil because they're facilitating mm-hmm. this... Uh, and then, and then before you know it, you're crisscrossed with Nazi groups because it's like, well, Jews are also involved. They're controlling the world. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're the top tier Illuminati members. So this fits, this couch is really well in like old school Nazi conspiracies and KKK ideology. Like, mm-hmm. It really does. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. I'd, I'd like to talk about kind of the history of where all this comes from because it's not just out of nowhere. Can I do that? Please do. Oh, Please yeah. Do. Okay. So, um, it, so QAnon adherents believe there's a cabal of world leaders, uh, specifically in the U.S. government, um, specifically in the Democrat Party, that 
um, are, you know, pedophiles, child rapists and cannibals of children um, secretly, of course. And that kind of belief of identifying your enemies as child cannibals actually has a long history um, that goes back to ancient humanity. And it's I, I'm no historian um, or anthropologist, but um, it, it, essentially that's a common tactic to use when you are trying to stir up hatred for a hated group is that um, you will claim that they are either cannibals or murderers or child rapists slash kidnappers. Or if you really want to go for broke, like all of them at the same time. Um, yeah. Most particularly, uh, the the Jewish people fell under this uh, accusation multiple times in the Middle Ages um, with claims that they were like stealing children at night and drinking their blood and all sorts of wacky stuff. Um, and that's kind of how it became tied with the Jewish people in particular. Um, the claim that there's like a cabal of these people um, uh, like secretly orchestrating world events behind the scenes and being in control of world governments and the media and all that, uh, that has a lot in common with uh, conspiracy theories about, again, the Jews um, who are accused of kind of secretly plotting to take over the world. And that goes yeah. back to this fake document that circulated in the 1910s or 1920s um, called the Protocols. Of you're the not Elder talking Design. about you're, you're not talking about the book that Henry Ford wrote, are you? No, no. Um, <laughs> although uh, I believe he came into contact with the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. He, and he so, wrote a book. He wrote a book about anti-Semitism, yeah. which I was joking. Henry Ford. Well, that, yes. That, yeah. that document's really important because he helped the Nazis. Um, it, it well, it came out of Russia, and it was supposedly the meeting minutes of this group of like very powerful uh, players on the global sphere, um, who are all Jews and were all conspiring to take over the world. Um, and it, it was later proven to be a forgery and not true whatsoever. Obviously, uh, Armand, I'm assuming that your audience has a firm grasp on reality. Is that too much to assume? Uh, we have a firm grasp of cinema. Okay, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so this Russian document gets kind of passed around and then later proven as a fake, but it became influential to, I believe, Henry Ford, who wrote that book, um, but also the Nazi party. And that was kind of used as proof, like, here, we we have it in writing. These Jews are plotting, plotting to take over. Um and so we, we we hear echoes of that within the QAnon uh, conspiracy theory that there is a cabal of highly powerful, secretive people who are planning to take over the world. Um, as far as uh, the story of the QAnon movement, as far as like what they plan to have happen, um, the QAnon theory uh, supposes that at one point, um, there's going to be like a day of reckoning and um, all of the people in, involved in this cabal, um, you know, Hillary Clinton, 
uh, her whole administration and co-conspirators and things are all going to be rounded up and either hauled off to jail or killed, depending on who you ask. And this is where it gets really weird and creepy. Um, are you familiar with the Turner Diaries? Yes, I am. Would you like okay. to explain it? I am for... not. I am not, but please explain. For those who don't know, the Turner Diaries was a book released in 1973 or 78, uh, right around there. Um, it's a novel by a, a white supremacist, and um, it, it's it, it, the FBI has called it the uh, um, the Bible of the far right, and it's essentially uh, the, the story about how. Um, there's this secret cabal of there we go again of uh it, basically there's this worldwide plot to uh replace the the race of white people in America with uh like with different ethnicities this this came came kind of before the great replacement uh conspiracy theory and it supposes that there's that the US government is uh, kind of in cahoots with the people who want to bring this about. And it imagines this secretive organization that is on the side of white supremacists and are secretly fighting for the whites to take over. And um, as one step of this plan, there is something called the Day of the Rope, where um, all the members of Congress, anyone who is branded as a race traitor, um, anybody who like, uh, has like a mixed marriage or something like that. Um, all of the like professors, lawyers, doctors, etc., who are branded as race traders, they're all rounded up and, uh, lynched and hung from lampposts in this kind of great judgment day kind of scenario. And, uh, I, I don't want, I don't want to talk too much more about that book because the more you learn about it just the less hope you have for humanity it's very vile in a lot of ways um but it's important to know that because those same refrains are echoed in the QAnon conspiracy theory where um yeah. there's there's going to be the great awakening and the they use a lot of religious language here um and the storm is coming where all the democrats and all those uh you know child cannibals are going to be rounded up and either killed or hauled off to jail and it calls upon this same kind of white supremacist um, mythos to basically secure political victory. Um, and that's kind of the stage on which this whole uh, QAnon conspiracy theory is set. So if you if you know where all this comes from, you start to get a bit more and more worried about like, what exactly is this QAnon conspiracy theory? And um, it, it it becomes very easy to understand why a lot of far-right extremist groups have latched onto it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. Um, so since you're familiar with the Turner Diaries, I'm assuming you're familiar with Ruby Ridge as well. Aaron. Yes. Okay. Josh, are you familiar with Ruby Ridge? Okay. No. So when you mentioned the Turner Drives, I thought it was early 90s because Ruby Ridge happened in 92. Um, mm -hmm. It was an armed standoff 
between, I forget the family name, but this family who believed that they were going to be overrun by a tyrannical government and they were completely inspired by the Turner Diaries. And they read it, they believed it to be true, and they uh, armed up in their shack and they had a standoff with the FBI for about, I think, a week. Uh, I think they the all ATF died. Too. Yeah, the AT- Okay, I remember hearing about this. Mm. That's what that was. I was I was getting Ruby Ridge confused with Waco. Uh, yeah, Waco is a little bit pretty different. close. That's, yeah, pretty Branch similar Davidians. though. Pretty similar trapping. Pretty yeah, close I mean, in the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, it was a year later. It was ninety three when uh, Waco happened. Man, man yeah. the, the FBI must have gotten real tired of like <laughs> sieging sieging townhouses. Well, both of those events <laughs> right. were also inspiration for the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, yes, Tim and the Turn- Turner Diaries yeah. had a had a part to play in that as well. Oh my! It's God. all connected. It is all connected, and it's it's important. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because like we're seeing the echoes uh, throughout the throughout the decades. Like each generation has their response to the Turner Diaries. In the '90s, you had Waco, uh, Ruby Ridge, Oklahoma City bombing, and then today we have the assault on the Capitol. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. Um, It's interesting how, as Alex Jones puts it, we're an information war. And (laughs) it's true. Like these harmful ideas are being transmitted through the internet, through these websites, and they're latching on to people that uh, for for worse, I was going to say for better, for worse, for worse, uh, they're being gullible and they're believing it and they're acting it out. You're seeing it with, like I mentioned earlier, the Christ church shooting where this guy brought in assault style weapons to a mosque and shot up Muslims because he wanted to kill as many Muslims as possible. And guess what? He's white. Um, you had the, uh, the Walmart shooting at El Paso, white guy killing Mexicans. Um, so it's it's always radicalizing, uh, maybe disenfranchised individuals that are specifically white, and they believe that they are doing this for their race because they believe that their race is being jeopardized uh, because of the ideas that are embedded within the Turner Diaries that the white man are being replaced, mm-hmm. and it's it's alarming because you would think. I'm a firm believer of like the marketplace of ideas. You combat bad thought with good thoughts and the good thought Mm -hmm. will overcome because more people will subscribe to it. But when the fringe still hold on to those failed ideologies and when they have weapons, they could do a lot of damage. Yes. And I'm glad you brought this up because this is one of the problems I had with the docuseries, um, into the storm. Um, it generally when you're engaging in journalism you want to humanize the subject you want to allow them to speak and get their point of view maybe even play devil's advocate um and generally generally that leads to greater understanding um if not empathy and compassion and hey we can get a better understanding um that works if you're making Tiger King. When you're dealing with <laughs> kind of conspiratorial thinking or extremist views, that 
can have real world consequences that result in loss of life or um, or suffering in other people. That's when yeah. you have to be a bit more shrewd with how you how you deal with things. And the marketplace of ideas doesn't really work there. Right. Because there has to be civility for it to work. Yeah. And yes. by nature, uh, QAnon specifically is not civil. Well, no, but the, the, social, the social contract has to be upheld, right? Regardless of freedom of speech, the social contract <laughs> must be upheld. You right. can say whatever you want to me, but the moment you start punching someone in the face, all bets are off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, 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 that's a good point because um, we've mentioned it earlier in the show, but um, the there's a lot of different reasons why someone might be involved with QAnon, and it would be d disingenuous to say yeah. that they are all white supremacists or that they are all alt-righters. Um, <clears throat> and that's what makes it so tricky to talk about is because a lot of people, they're just along for the ride. They're having fun. They're trolling. Maybe they have this kind of institutional distrust with journalists. And so by showing up to a Trump rally with a Q shirt or letter Q props or whatever, um, they're just messing with reporters. And I'll be honest, that could be fun. I get it. Um, they're, <laughs> they're just kind of trolling and getting a reaction. Then you have people who actually take that seriously. Um, and then you have the kind of members of extremist movements they're using it as a recruiting ground it gets very murky very fast as far as who's involved and uh, you have a lot of people who you know they're they're descendants of coal miners from kentucky and they're in a in a washed out town with zero industry and they're hooked on opioids and they're they're part of this uh, cultural milieu where their own their own town doesn't look all that different than they do but you have this increasing presence of people who don't look like them or think like them or behave like them uh popping up in media and that's got to feel so disenfranchising and worrying and anxiety ridden to feel like you don't have a place in this world anymore and it's passing you by right. and you're powerless to do anything about it but if you can believe in this story that really there's a plan behind it all and these these actors of ultimate evil are behind it and very soon they're going to be receiving uh their their punishment at the hands of this messiah figure like that's a very convincing and emotionally satisfying story to believe in it's like how how do you sift through which uh, wh which bin a QAnon believer falls in that's that's really difficult well it you know speaking of extremists using it as a recruiting ground or politicians using it as a campaigning tool mm -hmm. it i think it's safe to say that Conspiracy theories like QAnon, or if you go further back, you go back to 9-11, or you go even further back to JFK with the Red Scare and all that, um, it's safe to say that these conspiracy theories are kind of the gateway drugs to extremism. Once you buy into these conspiracy theories and you really go down the rabbit hole, 
it's very much the stereotypical equivalent of of hey kid i know you like that but have you tried this Mm -hmm. have you tried some extremism (laughs) and then before you know it they're joining a militia or they're joining a far-right group or they're joining the proud boys they're joining some other fringe group it doesn't sound so bad a lot of their friends they've made who are also in conspiracy theories are part of it. They be part of this cool exercises or these interesting activities where they feel like they belong. They get invited out to drink with them. And to your point, if that's a desperate individual coming from a desperate situation or a situation where maybe they left their coal miner town and they have no new, they have no friends wherever they've moved to, they're still in a desperate situation and like a cult. If you, it, the best way to recruit people for a cult is to prey on those looking for belonging or those who are desperate right. and yes. conspiracies of those gateway drugs into those organizations, into those, um, like if I'm a proud boys recruiter, you know, God knows how that works, <laughs> but, 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 and I'm, I'm going to look for people who I know for certain buy into Q fervently mm. or buy into the Trump savior myth or buy into the, uh, the government killed JFK or the government orchestrated 9-11 or the Jews control the world. If I find somebody that buys into those conspiracy theories, I know as a recruiter that I'm going to have a lot easier of a sell to them because I already have things to piggyback on to say, well, hey, I know you really agree with that. I believe that too. But we're finding out about shit like this over here and we're getting some guys together to do X, Y, and Z at some point. Do you want to be a part of that? Like that's That's how ideological recruitment happens. I mean, it's the same strategy that like extremist Islamic groups in the Middle East have been using for years. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same exact strategy. Go into a bombed out town or a town that's been disenfranchised for decades and you'll find recruits at the wazoo who are more than willing to be given a purpose to throw in their hands. Yes. And it, it, here's why I think QAnon works so well. And it's, it, it, it's due to a number of factors, but the uh, first of all, it's, disseminated through the internet so anybody can participate anybody can be involved and right um it's also q never gave like really direct statements about what was going on it was never it it was never like scripture um it was suggestions and um and vague clues and Mm -hmm. q was never very direct it was basically it's almost like a rorschach blot where um, Q left everybody else to kind of fill in the details. And um, that's what's so, so fascinating to me is that this is a participatory thing. Um, are, are you familiar with the Nine Inch Nails album Year Zero? Is that that conspiracy theory where people like try to interpret the lyrics as being prophetic? It's not a conspiracy theory. So um, you're kind of on the right track. Going down the rabbit hole. Trent Reznor knows everything. Yes. So so Year Zero, album by Nine Inch Nails, comes out 2007, I believe. Um, And probably more famous than the music itself is this alternate reality game that was surrounding its release. So um, it was... You could say it was just a marketing tactic, but I I believe Trent Reznor when he says that it's the participation in it and the experience of it is part of the experience of the album. So the the album itself takes place in this kind of future American fascist state 
um, think like the Bush administration advanced 15 years where there's kind of a merging of church and state. Um, it's this almost like theocratic government. Um, there are hallucinogens distributed through the water supply. It's very dystopian. Um, kind of free thought is not accepted in this society. You have to get like a license in order to marry or have children. And there's like a million different ways to lose that license. Um, but there's, uh, this sighting of this apparition called the presence, which is, uh, it's appears as like a ghostly hand or hands reaching down from the sky into the ground. Um, and it kind of culminates in this kind of judgment day type scenario with, um, world governments across the world and eventually the end of the world. And world through order. the storyline of this album, there's this resistance movement of artists and other kind of free thinkers who use quantum entanglement to like send warnings and evidence back in time to 2007. And so before the album even released, there was this alternate reality game that participated in this story. Um, like there was uh, like a Nine Inch Nails tour t-shirt that, certain words were were in the text on the back of the shirt were highlighted and spelled like spelled out. Um, I'm trying to believe. And if you went to, I'm trying to believe.com, there was some information there that led to like other websites and you could, and people were working online. Fans were working online to put these pieces together to figure out like what the hell was going on. Whoa. And like at a different concert, um, there's like a USB stick, um, found in like a bathroom stall that had a song from the album on it and it had some static noise at the end. And if you ran it through a spectrogram, uh, it had the image of the hand going down and there's this just hugely elaborate game where fans would try to decode these clues and put them together and they would find details about the story presented in the album. And sometimes they would find like songs early, um, that would then be leaked and it, it, it from a cynical point of view, it's a it's a promotional gimmick for the album. But in another sense, it's this kind of mass participation art game that you could participate in the story of this kind of collective uprising against this future fascist force. Oh um, and, you know, the most interesting thing about that. Um, do you know when year zero takes place? Oh, God. When? 2022. It's not 2020. Oh, 2022. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the same year that Soylent Green takes place, by the way. Um, uh, so that to me, that's kind of a, a precursor to this whole QAnon thing. And why I think it was successful is that you you have to be invested to a certain extent to figure out what was going on. Um, but you would get these cue drops, these little bits of information. It's up to you to put all the pieces together. And sometimes it'd be really cryptic. And you have this whole community of people who are trying to figure out the puzzle. And that just invests you further and further. And you can't really do that before the internet. And what's fascinating is that you're seeing this happen in real time. And we've never had that with a religious or quasi-religious movement before. Where you can see these prophecies made and then either fulfilled or or uh or failed right in front of your eyes um so that is why i think it caught on so quickly and with so many different people oh it's so cool it's so fascinating i love it ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile 
With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That sounds incredible. I had no idea Nine Inch Nails did that. You know, yeah. I'm a fan of their earlier work. You know, had like a whole <laughs> black as your soul. I'd rather yeah. die than give you control. <laughs> I like their old stuff. And like yeah. this year zero stuff sounds very much in line with Trent Reznor's aesthetic. Like it yeah. sounds incredible. This is a very uh, intense concept album and definitely mm-hmm. reflects of the time because I think the majority of the country hated Bush. For good reason, <laughs> yeah. if I could say so. Yeah. Um, but this sounds a lot like the Cicada Project that was featured yes. in the QAnon documentary, uh, which the Cicada Project was, uh, they figured out who was behind it, which was this, weirdly enough, this pianist. Well, uh, assumedly, they, they, they found who is supposedly behind it. Because remember, he's just claiming, like there's no, he presented no evidence to show that he's really the one who came up with it. Oh, so it's a fall guy. Oh my God. A pretender to the throne. Oh. <clears throat> Whoa. Just, just goes deeper and deeper. A psyop. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like with the Cicada Project, it, it same exact uh, tactics where like you have all these little digital breadcrumbs for people to figure out and like to unlock and decode and to figure out the, the secret a clue that leads you to the next clue and it's like what's the end game specific specifically for the cicada project people don't know people think it was like a recruitment tool for the cia or the fbi like to find digitally savvy people and then to like offer them a job to work for the government hmm. or it was a joint secret society of like who knows who it's just it's weird and then with trent reznor's thing what was his end goal with it? Was it just to make you think, buy more albums? Well, become a super fan. For, from one point of view, it's a creative promotional experience for the album, um, a way to engage the fan base with the band itself. Um, from another point of view, and I think a more honest one, is that he had a certain message that he wanted to convey with the concept album. And he utilized the internet as a tool to have fans participate in the game in a way that made them a part of the story. Um, like for example, uh, there was this, there's this announcement that got leaked through this game where, um, you had to show up to a certain spot on a certain day and time. And all they told you was where something so that we know you're one of us. 
and um people would show up in like nine inch nails uh merch and stuff like that and there were people there who would hand out um uh the 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 fictional organization is called artist resistance in the game and they would have branded um buttons and hats and bandanas and stuff like that but i think they handed out around like 25 like prepaid cell phones to certain fans and later those fans would get like a call and it had details on another location to meet up at and when they went there it was a surprise concert by nine inch nails except it got shut down halfway through by uh a swat raid quote unquote oh my god yeah because they were they were telling the truth um (laughs) so the, the the end game is basically to reinforce the message of the concept album which is kind of a warning um a jeremiah against um the kind of trend towards neo-fascism uh within the american and other governments um but the difference between that and QAnon is everybody participating in that game knew it was a game like obviously there's a greater message to it and a story and they were involving themselves in it but at the end of the day it's for this it's for this industrial album like fine cool whatever QAnon though people believe it's real that's what's frightening about it that's the that is the defining line is like yeah it's it's for a cool industrial album and with Q this is life or death because it's real exactly I was about to say that Mm -hmm. like those people who stormed the capitol they truly believed like I mean, they were indoctrinated. Like, a lot of them are reminiscent of members of cults, members of very extreme organizations that believe that they're fighting for their very existence. And that if they don't succeed, then it's the end of the world, oh essentially. God. And the mm. end of their lives. It's, yeah. It's very interesting. And it's interesting coming out of this anonymous figure that's been leaking these little breadcrumbs. You know, I do have to say on a side note, if Julian Assange of WikiLeaks or Edward Snowden, when he, you know, whistle blew the whole NSA prism uh, program that they were doing, imagine if they did it like you. Imagine if they were like writing poems or like <laughs> writing riddles. The NSA is looking through your phone, question mark? look at facebook the storm is coming it's like what the fuck like (laughs) i'm not gonna get off the fence now but like imagine if julian assange or edward snowden used that tactic would we be talking about them today probably not Mm -mm. yeah that's well that's kind of why um with this docuseries they have this kind of fascination at figuring out who q is and I'm not saying that's not worthwhile, but at the same time, I almost think it really doesn't matter because yeah, um, this is not this is not just a fun game, but there are actually like real world consequences for this. Um, and I'm I'm not just talking about the mass shootings connected to it or um, the January sixth insurrection, but just in a lot more numerous and small ways the way that it makes people paranoid about the world the way it isolates them from their friends and family 
the way that it feeds into this um, increasing partisan divide between people. I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's fun and games for some people involved with it, but it's it's got some real consequences. And I and I really wish the the documentary as well produced as it is. I really wish it spent some more time on that um, and not not so much on figuring out who Q is, because. Yeah, as, that is a good point. It's a good a, hook. A, 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 yeah, it, it is a good hook and it's a it's it's a good dramatic through line. But um, even if they could definitively prove that Q is nothing but a fucking hack, um, it almost wouldn't matter because the people who are already this invested into QAnon, they would see that as, well, that's not the real Q or um, right. even if, if even if it was a real Q, like everything he said was true and we got we got to dig deeper into it it's it's going to be interpreted as confirmation of what they already believe and that is what is so concerning and terrifying about this is because even with the truth brought to them face to face they they have other reasons to hold on to this kind of fictional narrative about um what is happening in the world to the point that they're willing to risk life and limb to defend it. Yeah, it's a cult. It's it is. it's faith based. It it's is entirely faith based. It's gone beyond rational. Like you could you could put you know Ron Watkins up there and reveal everything, concrete evidence that he is Q. Look, I made all the posts. Here's all the evidence. Here's all the logs. I did it. It's me. Q was a farce. You can do all that, and the most urgent supporters, which there are now many of them. Um, to your point, I have two elected congressmen who use QAnon to get them elected, and they are in the yeah, White don't, House. Don't don't remind Congress. don't remind me. <laughs> it's it's that's the equivalent of having it, in my mind. That's no better than having members of Scientology up there in Congress. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's it's just it's no better. It's no better. You might as well start telling me that they believe in space planes <laughs> and an alien in the volcano, allegedly on a planet that tried destroying allegedly. ghosts that were us. Allegedly. Jewish space allegedly. lasers. Allegedly. allegedly. Jewish space laser. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Green and her Jewish space lasers. Yes, no, she didn't. Yes, she. Yes, did. she did. Jewish this is real life. Space lasers. Yes, You're yeah. I wish I was. I'm telling you, I wish <laughs> no, I was joking. Jewish hold space up. lasers caused she, the California wild wildfires. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> like, like podcast listeners, I wish you could see Armand's face right now. Wait, wait, let, let wait. Me, wait hold up. Hold up. <laughs> Hold New, on. Bro, New Yorker. Like, then, look boy, up New hold Yorker. Up, hold up. <laughs> like, like here, here you go. I knew she would. No, hold up. Trying to shoot down Santa. <laughs> she said that? Yeah. Jewish space lasers. The enemies to... of Christmas are taking a, hol- a war on the holiday on a new level. Stay the art Jewish space lasers. She said, as I speak, Jewish space lasers are being trained on the North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> how how you is doing, Armand? Causing hold on, is that what's causing climate change? No, that's a hoax. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You're right. Got him. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, like, show, okay. sure, show those normies. Did she mean like space lasers from Israel? <laughs> Unclear. Oh my god! I don't think she even knows. Oh my God! I have no. She said, I have no words. She said. She said. She said. 
She's had the Rothschild banking family oh, mastermind the anti-Santa plot. <laughs> and it's because they don't worship Santa the way regular people do, because apparently you know you and I worship the all benevolent elder god Santa <laughs> and his gift giving ways. Oh my god. Anyways, though, um getting back on track to the documentary. Um, yes, the Rothschilds that created so, the Federal Reserve, create space lasers <laughs> by with their Jew gold it, to shoot down but Santa. The thing, the thing is, the thing is. Marjorie Taylor Greene's a college-educated person, but this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, which is she is one of the benefactors of these conspiracies. Because I'm pretty sure it's safe to say, given her background, she doesn't actually believe what she's saying. She is very much targeting the exact people who voted for her and helping them feel, look, Marjorie Taylor Greene is an insider too. She believes what I believe. She knows the no. I'm happy to elect her again because all these others, even people that align with my political philosophy who are conservatives, don't believe that Jewish space lasers are a thing, but I do. She's an actor. So it's like, she's an actor. She's trying to... A grifter, exactly. She's trying to gain influence. She's trying to... It got got her in Congress. She was a nobody before this. She's doing all these outlandish... Why not take it all the way? She's doing all these outlandish (laughs) things, wearing a mask that says Trump won or COVID's not real. And now she's talking about Jewish space Because she won her campaign on that. She won her campaign on that. If it works, it works. That's what they're doing. It's like a reality show. You can make a TLC show out of this. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. You can make a religion out of this. <laughs> <laughs> already happened. QAnon. It's a, it already happened. <sighs> QAnon. Trump as a savior. I mean, there there are there are some Christians who are saying who have said already that Trump is like chosen by God and that he's essentially a saint. You know what? You don't have to say some. Um, I've heard people in Christian groups say that. Oh. Chosen by God. That's a pretty lofty claim. And that uh, Barack Obama was the Antichrist. You know what yep. else? Heard that, you know, I've heard that from I've heard that from some yeah. uh, some particularly conservative people. You know, I do have to say, it's funny because like when Obama was president and they're saying like he's the Antichrist because he's attempting to make peace in the Middle East. That's what he's trying to do, and that's why they labeled him an Antichrist. Under Donald Trump. He got the Arab Emirates, the kingdom of the Arab Emirates and Israel to be peaceful and to talk to each other and to have like an actual conversation with each other. That is by definition, peace in the Middle East. Those same Christian cultures say nothing. But if it was Barack Obama doing it, Antichrist, end of days are upon us. But but yeah, but that's because Obama did it because he was doing it for, you know, Jewish space lasers. Trump did it, and you're just too smooth brain to see the big strategy. (laughs) Too much of an NPC to see it. Exactly. You're too much of a normie. He's got a grand strategy. He's actually like he's actually fooling them both to destroy each other. Oh my God. (laughs) But no, it's that kind of like it's that like it's 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 a joke to us, but it's so like those people in the documentary, like the it. couple from Florida, they they believe stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So their, their hearts content, to their wallets consent. They're the same people that that are throwing money at find the fraud campaigns after That's Trump right. lost the election. Like what happened to all stop that money? Stop the steal. Uh, Trump, excuse me. The Trump organ. <laughs> stop the steal. Excuse me. You're right. Stop the steal. And now all that money gets to be a war chest for whatever campaign Trump wants to support. I picked the wrong oh career. God. 
That's what right. I say every day. You know, I put on clown makeup every single day. I'm like, I'm working hard for my money. <laughs> Meanwhile, these people are barely just doing anything. Put on my clown suit. <laughs> yep. Don't judge me until you walk a mile in my shoes. Clown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start to poke holes into the QAnon uh, ideology. So I want to highlight one thing, and that is called the incident that this documentary uh, highlights, which is. So QAnon started, I think, late 2017, uh, making all these drops. And then something really interesting happened on January 5th, 2018, where Q posted, did several drops from the same IP address. Prior to that, uh, Q posts were always from different IP addresses different uh platforms like mozilla iphone ipad it was it was never the same thing twice and that's what lend credence to quote the the authenticity of mm. q or the validity of q where it's like oh it's a team of people uh leaking information as you could see it's not the same person posting every single time and then on january 5th 2018 you had five posts with the same exact IP address, all linking back to Steve Bannon's neighborhood. Oh. Oh, my God. Which indicates that Steve Bannon, quite possibly, is Q. So I bring all that up because, to me, this signified a shift in Q and the documentary goes into detail with it where like before this, there's a certain, like when you write or when you write a book or when you just write in general, you have a certain rhythm and syntax uh, with your language and how you speak and talk and how you communicate and had a very specific way of communicating information before January 5th. After January 5th, the tone shifted dramatically where it was clearly a different person. And the people of 8chan that was facilitating this information being dropped noticed, um, I think it was the board admin or something, noticed like, hey, we have a LARPer, a fake Q posting now. This mm. movement has been hijacked. And they that went all the way up to Ron Watkins. Hey, Ron, take this out, like, Take a look at this. Clearly, this is not Q. This is this is a fake Q. And then after consideration, he was like, nope, it's real. <laughs> and then Q continued after that, uh, hmm. probably until now. Um, it's just interesting because clearly there is a shift. And clearly that just pokes holes in the entire uh, theory of QAnon. What did you guys think of that? It, it, I, I will say this with the with the docu with the docu series in in general. Um, it's six hours long. It probably could have been four. Um, there's a lot of tangents and a lot of jumping around between uh, somewhat related data points. And so this part is kind of where it lost me. Um, and so it, it, it's hard for me to kind of um, keep track of what's what it's insinuating and what it means for the identity of Q. But um, I, I think up to now we've talked about Q as if he or she or they are a singular person. But it's still very possible that Q could be a group of people. 
Um, now, what you're saying is that with the events that happened, was it January 5th? 5th, uh, yeah. 2019. 2018. Um, that it could indicate a shift from one person to another um, yeah. and that Steve Bannon has something to do with it. Um, ultimately, wink, if, wink. if I'm reading that right, um, you know, it's concerning that someone so high up in uh, the U.S. government is dealing with something as wacky as this. Um, at the same time, I'm kind of going to fall back on my point earlier that ultimately I'm less concerned with who exactly is Q or which persons are Q. Um, and I'm more interested in kind of the impact of it and uh, and kind of that level of analysis than who it actually is. At the same time, it, it, it is worthwhile to figure out um, who Q is and b because if you can figure that, that out you can get a better read on their intentions and what they hope to accomplish with the whole the whole story but right. but to be fair to be fair like regarding um, finding out who Q is which by the way I don't I agree with you I don't think we need six episodes to like cover that entire documentary that is a complaint of mine as well but I, I would have to disagree with finding out Q being beneficial. I don't think there'd be any benefit to finding out who or what group or what agency or what X, what Y, what is in control of Q because that will just inflame the cult around it. That will just make it, oh, they'll latch onto another conspiracy theory or they'll just explain it away or they'll... They'll flat earther on an airplane in a way, essentially. The, oh, I'm on an airplane. Well, the windows must be hologram. <laughs> or they must be holograms. Yeah. Like, they'll find somebody to explain. So, unmasking Q, although interesting and definitely beneficial to kind of a historical context, I think unmasking Hood is 20, 30, 40 years from now will be beneficial. But ultimately, it will be just that. Historically beneficial. In the moment, unmask them now it would literally like, I don't think it would really change much of anything. Um, the group is still there. The extremists are still there. Um, like if you like finding out who JFK's killer was, if it wasn't Oswald, for example, in the moment would not have changed the fact that JFK was dead. It's true. Like that's the situation we're in now. Finding out who Q is now will not undo January 6th. It will not undo the indoctrination of millions. It will not get rid of this massive cult around uh this ideology this extremism that's sprouting up so uh, I, I think it'll be interesting and historically beneficial but it won't it won't have any impact on the movement unfortunately i don't think unmasking the person behind the movements would deflate the movements because like for example it this might empower it really yeah i don't think so why would it not? Because, okay, from my perspective, looking at it, so the docuseries heavily implies, well, I mean, I think it unmasks who, who did it, which, I mean, I'll, I'll just jump the gun right now. Ron Watkins, <laughs> Code Monkey. Uh, yeah, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that's him. Or I think Even he co-opted. Throughout the entire I think he thing, he was like, I'm sorry, I, go, go ahead. I think he co-opted. I don't think he was Q from the get-go. I think some rando posted as Q, maybe came in and posted here and there, but at some point, 
because the Watkins had complete or control of the servers and the technology could lean in any time and post as Q. Right. It's heavily so, implied that while he was not the original Q, he definitely co-opted it to his benefit to make his website be the top 1,000 websites of the entire internet and to amass yeah. millions of active users uh, within a few months. So for sure. You mean to tell me that the guy who kept blinking rapidly while staring into the camera telling me that he's not Q <laughs> was lying to me? Oh my gosh. Who was... You mean that the guy who would be amazing at poker was lying to me? <laughs> so the guy, the guy who, I mean, so I, I watched it twice. I watched it way back when it came out and then recently for this podcast and like rewatching it for this podcast. It is so obvious from the beginning that he is hiding the fact that he is cute. Like it's so his body language tells it all. Exactly. Exactly. Like he is start to finish like in deceptive mode and like not being like deceptive as in like, Oh, I'm like purposely maliciously doing he, something. He is withholding information. And he knows it. And he's doing a he, shitty he looks, job. He, look, he looks like the guy in a convenience store who pocketed some lighters and is working his way towards the door. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> like, as he, as he shuffles around everyone. Like, the entire time you see him, every scene he looks just like he's hiding something. Yes. Always. Anytime you ask him a question, hey, how's the weather? Uh, <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's awesome. Blank, blank, blank. <laughs> Like it, it's because like he would he would talk about Q and then finish it like I don't, I don't really know who Q is, who right. can be Q, and then oh, oh I don't know why does it matter the oh. biggest smoking gun of this entire <laughs> docu series of like who the identity of Q was so like H Chan was like taken down by their uh, internet provider Cloudflare, who was the same inter internet provider I use for Syndicate. Um, hey. They took him out, and then they had to jerry-rig some sort of uh, DNS. And when that was happening, when they were still making the website, Josh, you and I made plenty of websites uh, when we worked for the same company back in the day. When yeah. you are developing a website, random people can't be posting on the website. And then yeah. just so happened, uh, Q is posting uh, on there. Unless you have access to the back end and you had, you're able to get in and learn the development environment. It's mm. like the posts were already there. Huh. It's like the, the website migrated out of development environment into production and, and went live and that content was already there. How did that happen? Whoa. Hmm. Oh. My well, blown, dude. That means people know that are, he's still around. And you're saying why Q you were down? I'm not Q. And why you were down for three months? This super popular user who's all about getting exposure and getting people reading his shit didn't go to any of the other image boards on the internet to post. Whoa! Wow. <laughs> when that happened, the, I was uh, like, clearly, <laughs> go on, Aaron. There's also the Freudian slip that Ron Watkins had at one point. Um, <laughs> at the end, last episode, uh, he says, yeah. "I've spent the past." almost 10 years every day doing this kind of research anonymously. Now I'm doing it publicly. That's the only difference. It was basically three years of intelligence training, teaching normies how to do intelligence work. <laughs> it was basically what I was doing yeah. anonymously before, but never as Q. 
Then he corrected himself. Um, he's then, like, then he, then, never as Q. I I promise he, because I'm not Q. And, and he, never was. And he broke out laughing. He broke out laughing because yeah. he was caught in the act. Yeah. It's just like it's like you you're like. <laughs> oh my god. Well, like, like you're you're just you're just you're 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 trying to feed you're trying to give this man water and you're telling him it's soup like <laughs> and you're laughing about it. What are you gonna do? Yeah. I just couldn't believe seeing that i was just like this huge movement this entire movement that has caused a rebellion against our united states government that has swayed millions of people got people elected was all started from a weird developer it's like with 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 a thing for anime figurines yeah he had an anime pillow that he slept next to a body pillow. Yeah. I, I, be, I bet you he's on Wizard Chan. Okay. So this entire movement <laughs> that led to an insurrection was started by a weeb. Yep. Shitposting. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Yes. So, so, like, I don't want, I don't want to like make any assumptions here or discriminate, but is it just me or did a lot of the people that showed up to the like the Q thing in Arizona where the Watkins were and where jo- uh, John or what was his name? Jim or John, Jim. the father, Jim, where Jim was like a speaker. Did, was it just me or did like the audience seem to crisscross that segment of the population that gets cheated out of their social security checks over the phone? <laughs> oh no. Like, am I wrong? Like most of them, most of them were at least in their sixties boomers it's like man yeah. you guys figured out how to use a computer and how to get on a chan that's like when you don't have much going on in your life you'll take whatever bit of excitement can come your way and if you think you're helping the presidents stay in power and to defeat those evil pesky democrats it's just feel wild though it's just wild though that like these people are very susceptible to scams because their age Absolutely. group, because of them being technologically illiterate, because of a number of things, because of them being maybe being lonely and needing belonging. They're very susceptible to these things the same way somebody extremely desperate is susceptible to a cult. So, of course, the majority of people that showed up to it were, you know, people 60 years old and 60 plus who some of them probably were fucking frauded out of their social security check last month even. <laughs> I just want to help them out. You know, I won $1 million. They just need a deposit of $300. Yeah, I got those cruise tickets. I just got to give them that deposit. In Steam gift cards. In the form of a gift card. Yes, do you know what I just said? In Olive Garden gift cards. <laughs> it's like, wow, I had no idea that oh. these gift cards can pay for... Um, my prize winnings and tax dollars. Wow. Right? Oh wow. My God. He had me use MoneyGram and everything. It was really legit. <laughs> <sighs> so shall we talk about the storm before we get off the fence? The storm. Let's yes. do it. The storm. You're you're saying the January sixth yes. itself. We keep on. We okay. kept on hearing about the coming storm, the oncoming storm. The storm is coming. You know, funny enough, all these quotes like where we go, one we go all, uh, the storm. It's all derived from a Ridley Scott movie from the 90s. Uh, yeah. White Squall or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
it's just weird. It's just bizarre. You know, you know the real hero of this story, before we get into the storm. Ron Watkins? Is <laughs> the real hero is the Q Shaman. He yes. was one of probably the only non 60-year-old pluses at that thing was the Q Shaman. Yeah. Like, like he's the real hero in this because he was he was there all the way through, all the way up to his prison sentencing where he said, you can't put me into general population. I'm vegan. You need to feed me a <laughs> vegan diet. For real. It really happened. For It really happened. Oh, As sentencing, he said, I can't go in general population because they don't have my dietary restrictions. Oh, are you diabetic? You're this? Oh, no, I'm vegan. Did they tell him to go up. fuck himself? <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't go beyond the first few paragraphs. I just oh saw I saw that I saw like the the notes from the actual sentence hearing. It was great. <laughs> wow. That is insane. I had no idea. But he's the real hero, anyways. He's definitely the face of the movements. Cause when I think of QAnon, I think of that guy. Yeah. He looks like a like an NPC from Fallout. <laughs> yeah he definitely embodies uh the post-apocalyptic uh you know soldier yeah i'll, I'll joe rogan in for us and i'll check what the q shaman is up to <laughs> uh he got a new lawyer and he's up for appeal on january 6th ironically so he's still going through the court system wow okay yeah. so so anyways <laughs> So speaking of Fallout, so since the January 6th incident was essentially a cosplay revolution, um, where were you? You know, let's, let's, let's get into it. Where were you when that happened? Because I remember where I was. Aaron, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think it was like a, like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And, it was a Wednesday. Um, uh, I had to be at the radio station by like three o'clock to start prepping for the show. And I think it was around noon or one when I actually started hearing about what was happening over, over discord. Then I checked in on like Twitter and all my news outlets and was like watching live coverage of it. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's actually happening. Um, And I was simultaneously like filled with this dread about like, you know, I always thought it would, I always thought it would be fun to be like part of historical events. What they don't tell you is that being a part of history is never fun. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of what I was thinking at the time. And, and also at the same time, um, more, more so later rather than as it was happening, um, I was kind of underwhelmed by like, you know, I, I thought a insurrection would be a bit more successful than what they were doing. Um, but yeah it was just a mix of bewilderment and astonishment uh and then uh we, we had to talk about it on the radio that day we were like canceling guests and things like that and just covering what was happening uh it was wild it was wild did you know that it was gonna happen before january 6 or did you hear about the march like pretty immediately i can't remember I, I i knew about the um the protest slash riot in the prior november um about the election and i knew that kind of the, the the confirmation of the election 
um, whatever they call it, was happening soon. But it wasn't quite on my radar that there was going to be like a like a whole demonstration and all, all the rest. So I knew for at least two weeks there was going to be a march on the Capitol. I never would have thought it would turn out like that because like I was at work too and I was just working and then my coworker slacked me and she was like, do you see what's happening at the Capitol? And then I was like, <laughs> yeah, there was like a march or whatever. Who cares? <laughs> they broke into the Capitol. I was like, what? Oh my they're God. They're barricading the, the doors. I was like, I instantly go to Twitter. And right? I'm like, holy shit. I'm seeing live footage from the Capitol Hill as the yeah. building is being burned down yeah. and smashed open. And I was like, that was terrifying. Holy shit. And the Congress people are like barricading the doors with like chairs. And I'm like, oh my God. Ugh. It's happening. It's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. And then I turned to Infowars.com. <laughs> what did Infowars have to say about the, the January? I'm curious now. Yeah, like was was he like was he like okay. blowing confetti horns everywhere or something? So they were the ones that actually organized the march. It was called the Save America March, and they. Did this was not the outcome that they anticipated? It was just a protest, and then it just turned into let's destroy the Capitol. He was Alex Jones. He was on the balcony of some building that oversaw the entire Capitol lawn, Capitol building. So like he's doing this broadcast as the building's on fire in the background. I wonder if something in his head was going through, like, maybe I should get a ticket to leave the country. <laughs> he was saying, like, this is terrible. This is an attack on democracy. We need to get out of here. Oh, of course. He changes his tone all the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to make sure you cover your ass. <laughs> like, it, like I, I was watching, and I'm like, is this real? Is this real life? Yeah. Mind-blowing. And I say cosplay revolution because Aaron, you brought this up. If there was like an actual insurrection, they would have achieved more. They just went in there, ruffled some papers, knocked over a painting. Protester got shot and killed. Chased some cops around. Some of the cops let them in. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a video of that. They're like, yep, go. That's where they are. Go get him. Come on in. <laughs> oh. It's like you think the government has all this like absolute power. Just a couple hundred people. Yeah. And they're inside the Capitol building. I, I'm very surprised it didn't get burned down. If it got burned down, I think we would be living in a very different world. Yeah. Because our government would be decapitated. Well, I mean, while Trump is like, everyone go home. This Trump isn't the way. Trump would come out as the party planner. He would come out as the party planner and just be like, everyone just set up tents. We'll hold the Senate over here. We'll Congress over here. The tents are weatherproof. They're Trump brand <laughs> tents. The tents have holes in them and they get like all soaked and they blow away with a light breeze. You see, they aren't yeah. supposed to do that. We, we could run the government over Zoom. It's fine. <laughs> 
See, I thought they were going to go even harder. You know what? Like, if it was like a real insurrection, you would have had like General Flynn be like, you know, what? let's deploy the troops. Yeah, I, I was yeah. fully expecting like a fire or something. But no, they just they just own the libs. I I I was very shocked that some of the heavily armed insurrectionists there who had AR-15 style rifles were not like, you know, unloading on some of the walls, the offices, or shooting at some of the cops or things like that. Like that I was very shocked by. I'm like, these guys are facing some serious like like they're not even done with all the like sentencing. They're just now reaching the people that bathed inside the building. I think they're almost done sentencing everybody outside the building. So the storm is coming. <laughs> <laughs> just a different type of storm. Yeah, it's called the Justice Department. <laughs> it's called consequences. Oh no. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> oh no, personal responsibility. What's that? Oh no! I mean, how many how many of these guys were in court? I think I read about that were going on about it was Trump's idea. It was Trump's idea? No, well, why isn't why isn't Trump pardoning me? Because like, you're an adult and you have yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't condone this. This is bad. I still won, but you don't go into the Capitol building. <laughs> they rigged the election. You're oh. all patriots. I love you. You're part of my army. No, Michael Flynn said I don't want to wait around Trump. until That's true. I don't want to wait around until the next January 6th comes around. You know what I mean? You mean uh right now? Right now. <laughs> um right now. It's the day after no, tomorrow. I, it's here. I I'm afraid that what happened last time <laughs> is just basically going to be seen as tacit endorsement of what happened and that they they can get away with whatever they want to do uh they just need to be a bit more organized next time uh i don't know how likely that is to happen but it's terrifying that that's a possibility yeah i i would have to agree with that my mind goes to the real threats we're watching and weren't there like the real actually like organized threats that it's the whole we're not fearful of the threats we know we're fearful of the threats we don't know and the threats mm. we don't know the highly organized terrorist organizations the far-right militias that actually have training the ones who like they saw they saw blood in the water and basically said yeah this isn't anything to worry about it's not gonna succeed we'll wait we'll watch and wait and we'll keep an eye on this and take notes mm. so that, i think that's more what happened and what's more to fear is like now terrorists around the world and domestically can see what happens when an operation like this goes down this way and what the response is. So somebody somewhere is adding it to their playbook, unfortunately. Or has infiltrated our government right now and there's biding their time. No pun intended. <laughs> Just biding their time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get off the fence as we close the show. So I'm going to ask some questions, a series of questions, and we're going to get off the fence definitively, whether yes or no, and to defend our answer. So let's start with the first question. 
Do sites like 4chan, 8chan, or Reddit need to be censored or even shut down? Aaron, I'll start with you. Kind of in two minds about this. Um, there's a part of me that's a, a kind of free speech absolutist and thinks that it's a um, essential tool in the defense of our democracy to be able to um, freely speak uh, because it's one of the most important tools in upholding a, a, a free society. Um, but it's getting more and more obvious that that can be abused and lead to horrible consequences. So it needs to be matched up with, um, an equally sized responsibility of that, uh, for that freedom of speech. And I really don't know what, the, I, I think we can agree that, um, websites like this, they, there needs to be some measure of accountability and responsibility if they're not going to police themselves. And we, we've seen through very, very many stories that they kind of want to play both sides. They want to uh, be this kind of wild west of free and open communication, but then also um, when it's convenient for them, uh, pretend that they are publishers of information and uh, selectively um remove or edit information uh and i'm not sure if you can play at both sides um so i don't have i don't have a solution in my back pocket that i could offer to you as far as how to fix this but um i think the days of just allowing anybody to post anything whatever without any consequences i think those are over um i, I don't know to what degree governmental authority can mitigate or solve this problem but there's there's got to be something that can be done to uh pre prevent this kind of thing from uh from multiplying and um companies are certainly trying governments are certainly trying uh it's it's not enough unfortunately how about you josh i would have to say that censored outright no shut down no i think that um regardless of the technology regardless of the limits of these kind of outlets for media um you're going to have hate groups that go to them i mean go back to the colonial times and you had some pretty nasty groups or even imperialists who were against the colonial cause publishing their own newspapers but they weren't stopped like that. That's just, that's part of it. That's part of a free society. So I'm certainly not a free speech absolutist. Um, despite me saying that what I am is instead free speech and free organization should be withheld, but there should be limits that can be imposed in the framework of hate speech, hate groups or terroristic activities like Right now, it's illegal to threaten death upon somebody, even over the internet. It's a legal activity. You can't threaten to commit a crime. It would be easy. Well, easy is a subjective term, but it would be not too difficult to replicate some of Germany's laws and state that certain 
language, certain symbols are illegal. For example, there's absolutely no reason any sane person should be using the Nazi flag as a symbol or the swastika in the same rotated way. There's no reason somebody should be calling themselves a Nazi or a National Socialist uh, Workers' Party. Just like there's no reason somebody should be branding themselves, hey, I'm KKK. Why is the KKK and everything it stands for not illegal? Can't say it's really free speech. People argue it is. But you could easily say well, there's no realistic or valuable reason for the KKK not to be outlawed 100%, even the term. Let it die out from existence. So that's what I think needs to happen. No censorship. Blanket in a blanket way. No shutting down of these sites. Instead, just having an actual like barometer of well, violent crime or intent goes beyond directly threatening. Instead, it goes to as well, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Brewing extremism. So obviously, if you see that a bunch of people are talking about, hey, what if we just kill all the Jews? Or what if we just exterminate all the LGBTQ people? And all of a sudden, you have this wall of people all agreeing to it. Hosting that and not banning it which is what the Watkins did not do. Instead, they allowed that to fly. Instead, those publishers, which is what the law recognized them as, should be punished. Okay, you want to host hate content and hate groups. Well, we're not. No, you are because there's content that's at your top rated at the very top of your site advocating for the death of entire ethnicities. That's a hate group. Even if they're disorganized and decentralized, that's a hate group. And these individuals will egg on bad actors as they did the person that perpetuated or perpetrated the um, New Zealand shooting, the mosque. Um, what's the what's the city called? Christ, Christ, Christ Church. Christchurch. Yeah, the Christchurch shooting. All those posters egged that person on. They posted their uh, manifesto there. They live streamed it and linked on 8Channel, among other social media sites. Yet this person had a posting history on all those sites had people egging them on and participating in their... So yet, nobody stepped in and said, yeah, it should be taken down, blanket ban for everybody, deleting their content flat out. And I know now they're trying, but there's no law in the books forcing these companies, forcing these publishers to act. In Germany, if a publisher was to publish Mein Kampf or a book called The Hateful Jew or some other nasty book title like that, that publisher would immediately get taken off the market. Not just, oh, get rid of the book, here's a fine. They'd shut the publisher down because they're like, you're publishing something that violates hate crime. You're, you're, you're breaking the law. If you call somebody a Nazi in Germany, you could go to jail for like a minimum of a week. You call somebody a Nazi, that's a, that's a major offense. Wow. Because it's, it's that serious. And the fact that we don't treat KKK or Nazi or some of the – it's so weird to me. Again, I appreciate freedom of speech. I think Reddit and all these other groups are incredibly important for the ways culture is advancing and the way people are sharing things. And it's inevitable to happen on the internet. But when there's blood in the water showing these people could egg somebody on to commit violence and nothing happens, that unto itself is a crime in my opinion. And to say, well, it's freedom of speech. And well, technically, they can say whatever they want. They can say they want to kill all the Jews. But as long as they don't do it, it's fine. Like, no. <laughs> so that's that's where I think the barometer should be. That's where thought should be given regarding new laws on the books that should be explored. New laws that focus on um, hate speech that are 
not blanket and not up for interpretation, but instead as broad as you can't tell somebody, hey, I'm going to kill you. That's simple, a simple but broad law. I'm going to tell somebody I'm going to kill you as a threat. It's illegal. In some states, it's a felony. It wouldn't be difficult to really think out and hammer out a law similar to you can't have X kind of group fermenting this kind of language or this kind of talk. Mm-hmm. Once you do that and you allow it to stand as a community online, a publisher, as they would call these message boards, then you as a publisher are held liable because you decide not to act unless you can show evidence that you did act. Yeah. Like, I was a free speech absolutist. And principally speaking, I am. But like, in practice, I don't see how it can feasibly work because... We've seen it in practice, granted, not the best environments, you know, with 4chan and 8chan, and it just devolves into the formation of hate groups and the formation yeah. of uh, extremist ideology that is not beneficial for anybody involved, even the people that are within those groups. So it's like, how do you even combat that? Like, you could do moderation of these websites. Where it's like, yeah, you could say whatever you want, but like, we'll take it down. Because like, that's better than having those people, the alt-right people, the stormfront people, go off of those websites and create their own website where they can talk about whatever they want underground without the peering eye of the public, where we can check in on them, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, that ultimately, if it's a private group then that's different. If it's a private group with private access, then I think that that's different. That's even more that's dangerous pop- than just having them it, on Reddit is, or is it though? whatever. Is it though? Yeah, because it's not moderated. It's not monitored. I should not, say neither, not neither, monitored. Is the, n- neither is the militia gathering every weekend out in the woods in a bunch of shacks. Away from the public's eyes, able to do whatever they will. That's true. You can't, you can't otherwise you start talking about what a lot of free speech purists are fearful of and i myself am a little fearful of is once you start creating too stringent of laws around these you get bad actors who want to abuse it and you end up inching closer to um government actors that want to use it as a uh as a kind of kicking point mm-hmm. to abuse other people right it's a grease slope like like what's the dividing line that ends up becoming you know, we fall into a neo-fascist state, like in uh, Year Zero, you know, or The Handmaid's Tale. Um, <laughs> it's... Or 1984, exactly. I mean, yeah. Like, what? what's stopping us from going into that Orwellian society once we start censoring speech? It's like, how do you have free speech, but also the ability to be like you know that's hate speech we need to censor that it's like i agree like there is no purpose for the ku klux klan in 2022 there's zero purpose for it there's zero purpose for the nazi party the words the words and some symbols behind those groups should be banned unto themselves you have no reason to possess them or use them except in a historical research context you want to talk about them historically or in a class that's different german law has exclusions for that but then we go to the skokie case where you have the american nazi party 
using the iconography of the Third Reich. And they would have been illegal. They would have been arrested. But that's freedom of expression. If that's the problem, then, is that we somehow have put being part of a hate group that wants to dismantle the very fabric of freedom of speech, protected in our freedom of speech. You should not be protected if the very freedom you're exercising is attempting to infringe on the freedom of others, which is exactly what those groups would want to do if they had their way, which is why they march, which is why they organize, which is why you got the militia out in the woods. Militia out in the woods ain't doing it to prepare for the apocalypse of zombies to come. <laughs> the militias are doing it because if my government tries to take my guns, I'm going to fight back. Or if, if my streak gets approached by peaceful protesters, uh, protesting the police and police brutality, then I'm going to go exercise my rights. Like, that's not... You're exercising your rights to take away the freedom of others. Oh, I know a fun point. fact. Go for I'm it. I'll tell you a fun fact. So the same individual that fell into the QAnon... Is it a fun fact? The same individual that fell into the QAnon rabbit hole when the whole Black Lives Matter thing was happening. And they when they said, you know, they're, they're ripping up Chicago. I'm, I live in the city. I've seen it firsthand. <clears throat> and then they said, we're going to go to the suburbs where the white people are. I told that, that to that individual, like, hey, hey, by the way, this is what they said. And he said, good, let them come. I have my guns. And I said, okay. This is, this is revealing a little too much, and you can cut this if you want. But I was going to say that he can afford guns. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to cut this out. Do you know who I'm talking about? I know who exactly you're talking about. I know, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> It is known. Okay. Um, no, I, I, I do think if you were to get a bunch of constitutional experts and lawmakers together in one room who were willing to actually talk reasonably and, in, and inherit Thomas Jefferson's theory of a flexible, living, breathing constitution, you could hammer out some adjustments, as minor as they may be, to the freedom of speech, the First Amendment, to include... Very, very broad and very flexible, as many of our laws are, which is why we have so many goddamn lawyers <laughs> that can be interpreted but used so you don't get in these awkward positions where it's like, oh, gosh, these Nazis who want to curb stomp black people. Well, I don't know if it's OK for us to stop them from, you know, want to curb stop black people. Let's check the laws. Like, really? Like. Them wanting to rob other Spartan groups of their freedoms of living are not are that doesn't count under freedom infringing on another freedom. Well, it does to me. Well, that's a libertarian mindset where it's like you're free to do whatever you want unless you infringe on the rights of others. But it could be argued that the Nazi Party marching down the streets of Skokie infringed on the freedom of the Jewish population in Skokie to live their lives prosperously mm. and in a way that allows them to pursue happiness. Can't really be happy and run your business if you got guys in brown shirts marching down your streets saying kill all the Jews. Just a thought. <laughs> that is true. So I just, I just, I know it's a controversial topic, but it is. I think that if people really sat down and thought about it and looked back in history, they'd see we've had plenty of amendments to the Constitution, plenty of ways where amendments have been revoked, cough, cough, prohibition, where best intentions didn't line up or they need to change with the times or, hey, we know more than we knew back in 1800 and so, we should probably like adjust this a little bit to deal with the fact that you have 
<clears throat> homegrown extremism happening on the thing that never would have even been imagined 200 years ago called the internet. Exactly. It's like if we took the people that wrote the constitution, our founding fathers and like plucked them into today's society, they would look at us and be like, you didn't write down new shit. I wrote that Watch. with each other. <laughs> most fire. of them, most of them, even before showing them that, if you just told them about the concept, most of them would be like, oh yeah, that's just like when we debated about this back before we signed on amendment number one. Like if you, uh, have you ever seen the like uh, historical drama? It's by HBO, of course, John Adams or Adams, I think it is. I can't remember. It's been years since I saw it, but it shows how the founding fathers pretty accurately didn't agree on much. And a lot of them were for the living, breathing constitution idea, but they just wanted the goddamn thing signed and done with, which they didn't have the time to really get into the super nitty gritty details. They unfortunately leave that to the future generations. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In a way, um, the kind of attitude that doesn't want to change the constitution ever at all. And it's written in stone. uh, It's in a sense, abdicating responsibility to. Oh, yeah making laws and in and policies that are for the flourishing of uh of everyone in the country um whatever solution is going to fix this we better come up with it fast i agree let's ban some fucking symbols make a new (laughs) amendment i mean i mean that's the crazy thing that's the crazy thing is it what it could just be as simple as that as just saying Hey, Germany, that's a pretty cool thing you've got in your constitution that, by the way, we helped write Germany's constitution and we actually proposed the anti-Nazi laws. So it's it's kind of ironic that we're so hesitant to say, yeah, the Nazi swastika is banned. Done. That, that works for Germany. Banned. We're American. You know, this is America. We're America. I want to be able to have a swastika hanging in my living room. That's that's like that's like um uh the millennials philosopher Zijak, <laughs> yes, yeah, Zijak who, yeah, Zijak who he has like a, a portrait of Stalin up in his apartment, and people always ask him, "Why do you have a portrait of Stalin up there?" It's to make idiots angry. Because <laughs> 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 so always, ask, oh, you have a you have a picture of Stalin. He's a mass murderer. Yeah, I know. Thank you for telling me. I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I'm only a PhD in philosophy. Wow. <laughs> okay. So the next question I have to bring up. Have these websites changed our world forever? Josh, I'll start with you. I think it was inevitable, personally, for these kind of sites to exist and have these kind of issues. As, like... When the internet became a norm for all people's access, regardless of demographic, you inevitably were going to have users on them whose voices you probably wouldn't want to hear. Racists, fascists, anarchists, sexists, misogynistic, insults, communities that I don't think are unique to the technology existing. I think any community, any civilization has had its social outcasts, social pariahs that have some pretty disgusting and really nasty and destructive ideologies and mindsets. That's why they were pariahs. That's why they were outcasts. Or in some cases, they were outcasts for the wrong reasons. 
Like, for example, if they were lepers, if you go back to any time before 1600. Um, so the only difference is now with technology, these social lepers, these horrible individuals who've been outcast because they don't want to be, they, they adhere to things that are disgusting to society. They now have a, uh, as opposed to a cave or a forest, a clearing in the forest outside of town, they now have a message board they can all easily access and that everybody else can see. Before, they would have been in the clearing outside of town where they set up a massive tent camp and we would never have to look at them unless you go look for them yourself. Right. Now, though, you can literally go to the hypothetical tent camp of civilization by just going to a subreddit you don't like or the insul uh, board on 8chan or some other community or you can go to the what was it what's it called the uh the most popular neo-nazi site the daily stormer i think it is stormfront there you go yeah stormfront you can just go on stormfront like these pariahs of society they they have a place to go but they would have had a place to go anyways without technology they did like this is not so so i don't think these sites have changed the world forever I think they're a byproduct, one but single byproduct of a technology that came about with message boards and image boards and the communal internet. Like the, these sites are not the only way people communicate or have communities. They're just now these places, these pariahs have a way to make more, I guess, tight-knit communities in a way that they haven't been able to before so now all the different clearings in the forest outside of town can talk to the other uh clearings of the forest outside of town you know what i mean right. so you got all the all the hobo camps coming together and sharing all their crazy ideas and navel gazing so i don't think it changed the world forever i think it's just a byproduct of the technology yeah it's interesting how about you aaron I think absolutely they've changed the world forever. Um, they're multipliers for the human condition. And by that, I mean, I, I, I think, I think in the early days of the internet, there's this kind of optimism for what it could be and mm -hmm. how it would change our lives for the better. And I, th this is pure speculation, but I think part of that was because the people who had access to the internet in the nineties, early aughts generally were kind of educated tech savvy people, intelligent. Um, and so they engaged right. with each other in ways that is going to be different than just the general population. This is before, most people had access to the internet. This is before anybody had access to the internet in their pocket. And what we're seeing now is what happens when the general population has access to the internet all the time, whenever they want and can be connected to the most niche communities out there. Um, one of my favorite and most depressing George Carlin quotes is um, imagine how dumb the average person is. Half the world is dumber than that, <laughs> which is wonderful. But when you're talking about the Internet, which is pretty much everybody in this day and age, imagine how 
hateful the average person is, half the world is more hateful than that. Imagine how uninformed the average person is, half the world is more uninformed than that. Um, imagine how extreme the most average person is, half the world's more, more extreme than that. And those people can find each other online, and we're seeing the consequences of that now. You're absolutely right. The internet has become reality, whether we like it or not. Um, mm -hmm. We are now inching towards the metaverse. It's going to happen. Uh, the internet's going to become virtual reality. I don't know when, but definitely within our lifetime. And the way we interact online through social media or websites mirrors what we do with humans. If anything, it's more so what we do than daily interactions with human, real human people, uh, especially with the whole pandemic. Um, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that this whole QAnon thing exploded during the pandemic when people are stuck inside and people are living their lives digitally through these uh, websites. So having this outlet to express your hate and whatever bullshit uh, perversion in whatever way, it's just, it's, it shows a really disgusting reflection of humanity. And I think these websites, to go back to my original question, for sure changed the world forever. And I don't know where that's heading towards. Um, because I ask this because I think action needs to be made on these websites. I just, I don't know what that could be or what the appropriate action would be. It's like, mm -hmm. you can censor, but how much can you censor? You shouldn't shut down these websites because the new ones will, will pop up or even worse options will pop up. It's a hydra. But yeah, it's yeah. It's definitely like I said earlier, it holds up a black mirror to society. And I think uh go, move, moving forward uh this is just the beginning of what's to come, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Mhm. Mm so we answered a few of these questions during our chat, but Let's truly get off the fence now. Was QAnon someone close to the Trump administration? Mm -hmm. Doubtful. I think it's less likely um, that they were part of the Trump administration um, than not. There's, mm -hmm. they, they, they certainly claim to be. Um, there's nothing in the way of evidence or but information that only so. What about the watch? The watch and the pen. Only Trump wears those and uses them. Uh, yeah. Um, they didn't yeah, just buy it. As far as I could tell, I've I've not um, dived into everything that Q has said, but as far as I could tell, there's nothing in the way of um, insider information that only someone close to Trump would know in any of the postings. Right. Was Q a single person or a team of people? Why not both? <laughs> at different at different times. 
at different times. Like so, I, someone I, with a <laughs> What what if it was uh what if it was like three midgets in a trench coat? <laughs> <laughs> It's not very PC, Josh. And all twists. Yeah, they're like, "Ha! Huh, you thought I was Q, one person, but I'm actually three people." We take turns. <laughs> but no, but really, like, I, I think with the Q name was passed around multiple times, and at one times it was probably one person posting, and at other times it was probably, "Hey, we can use this to um, inject some traffic into our favorite." Republican nominee, be it Trump or a congressional candidate, or hey, I work for the campaign over here for Marjorie Taylor Greene. Why don't we make that part of our campaign strategy that we'll all get on HN, three or four of our staffers, and post his queue? Like, right? Like, there's no, I'm pretty sure it got passed around quite a lot. Hmm. The more people that are involved, the more likely it is that uh, it's going to the identity of those involved are going to be leaked or the whole thing's going to come undone, which right. leads me to believe that's probably a small number of people at most. Um, I'd go as far as, as to say one person, if it weren't for the January 5th weirdness, um, which makes me think probably two at most, even that I'm not sure about. Bron and Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think what's more likely is that those people have said something to other people, but again, it's one of those things where it's like Bigfoot, right? Mm, right. There's multiple people that know about Bigfoot. <laughs> Are you going to believe somebody if they say, Hey, I'm Bigfoot. Someone says, Hey, I'm Q. Oh yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a claim that's unfalsifiable in some ways. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about Q hmm. because there was a, a subplot in one of the episodes of this docuseries where they talk about this guy that wrote a book where one of the characters was named Q and it was like a religious thriller or political thriller. Didn't they uh, mention that in the documentary? Yeah. It was like this Tom yeah. Clancy-esque book. Yeah, 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 yeah. what's interesting, because when this whole Q stuff started, it sounded familiar to me. And I didn't realize it until recently where i was like oh that's where it's from so when i was in college one of the classes i took was called historical jesus now i took the course because i was like oh this is going to be easy i've been to bible studies i read the bible i know a thing about jesus it was the hardest class i've ever took in my entire life Hmm. because like it was the historicity of jesus and he had to prove it through all these different manuscripts and I had to write a 20 page, uh, final essay about who Jesus the man was and like use, uh, sources of the time. It was insane. Um, so when approaching the Bible, specifically the gospels, there's, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic gospels because they're so similar. seems like the mm-hmm. same author wrote them, but um, they all seem to be derived from a, another source that's not in the Bible. And theologians consider that unknown entity book as Q. <gasps> oh, Q gospel. God. <laughs> Aaron, you sound familiar. You're cracking this whole uh, thing t- wide open. 
Yes. Are you familiar with this stuff? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when the whole Q stuff, QAnon happened, I was like, that sounds familiar. Sounds like what I learned about in college. And I graduated in 2015, which is around the time when QAnon was kicking off. And I was like, huh, sounds like this. But what, what do I know? Just a little insights on where they could have gathered uh, inspiration from. Mm. Could be. Could be. All right, final few questions. Was Q always Ron Watkins or was it co-opted by him? I think we already talked about this. Yeah. Yeah, if it wasn't him the whole time, he certainly co-opted it at some point. Right. Yep. It's quite obvious. Do you believe Q originally was real or was it just a boomer LARP? Boomer's LARP? Yeah, uh, mean, boomer LARPing. Do you mean the person boomer posting LARPing? as Q, was it genuine the whole time? Or yeah. They, like They believe their own malarkey? I guess before Ron Watkins co-opted it, was the original poster believing what he was sniffing? I think he was shit posting so. from day one. Okay. Agreed. And it kind of grew way too big beyond what a person could could handle. They dipped out. I mean, it's runs like, it's four chan, like four chan is literally a cesspit of that's BS content. Yeah, that's yeah, true. absolutely, shit posting. And now the final question: Do you believe QAnon will live on in the age of Biden and beyond him? Uh... This I is hope the real not. question. I hope not. But even if it dies out, even if it dies out entirely in the entire 20 years, a new conspiracy will take its place. And I don't think it will die out entirely. I mean, 9-11 theories still get mentioned. Uh, JFK theories, conspiracy still get mentioned. The Hitler theory I mentioned of him escaping the bunker, that still gets mentioned. I mean, shoot, there's a fucking theory I read about floating around about how Napoleon escaped Elba Island for the, like, second time and went <laughs> off and died of old age somewhere. And that theory's been floating around since the 1800s. So I don't think conspiracy theories, once they gain this kind of traction, ever really truly die. They just kind of, like, go down a little bit. Wow. Yeah, I think this is this generation's moon landing conspiracy where yes. you're gonna you know unless unless global disaster takes us out in 10 huh. years you're, you're gonna wipe all the libraries the all databases <laughs> yeah you're gonna be in line at the whole foods there's gonna be a magazine rack with all the all the magazines there's gonna be mm-hmm. a time magazine cover that says who was q 20 years later <laughs> yeah Dad, what's Q? Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. All you need to remember, son, is that Jeff Fuels melts steel beams. <laughs> <laughs> Jewish space lasers. Jewish space lasers right. melted the time. And that the banking system's controlled by lizard people. The Rothschilds. <laughs> yeah. Lizard the same beam. thing. Same thing. Lizard. David Icke. <laughs> yeah, David Icke was right. <laughs> Uh, would you recommend uh, Q into the storm for people? I would. This is definitely a giant warning label of like unfettered conversations and like the disastrous consequences of it. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I can't give a blanket recommendation um, just because it's not a bad documentary. Um, It's I can't give a blanket recommendation just because of the risk of people falling into extremism. Um, and it, because this documentary was made in a way that kind of ignores best practices for engaging with extremist views, where I think if you have a firm grasp of reality, like go ahead, watch to your heart's content. Um, I'm more so worried that people who are maybe not committed one way or the other, if the whole Q thing is real, might there there might be unintended consequences and it, it could launch them further down the rabbit hole into the storm. Mm, um, put. Plus, also, it was like, could have been a four-hour series, not a six-one, so it might be a bit of a slog at some some spots. But yeah. um, if you really do want to get kind of a good overall picture of what's going on with the whole Q thing, this is a great way to get um, a lot of information kind of distilled down for you. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with Aaron on that one. It's just, I'd recommend it if you have a good head on your shoulders and aren't like, you know, already falling into the conspiracy pet of Q or Trump is chosen by God extremism. I, I think <laughs> that if you're looking at it as a this is an interesting way to understand extremism, an interesting way to understand the conspiracy theories and this kind of like what's been going on and what kind of led to one of the things that participated in what led to January 6th. I don't think Cuba itself caused January 6th. I think it participated and contributed to it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important for that. Um, I do agree, though, that, yeah, it should have been four episodes, not six. Um, could accomplish the same thing. Um, but yeah, I'd recommend it to somebody who, Hey, do you got some time to burn? Are you interested in conspiracy theories? Interesting going down the rabbit hole on this. It's well-produced. It's got some good information. 
um, I mean, shoot, I'd, I'd recommend it to a professor if they're teaching an undergraduate uh, course on extremism or mm-hmm. ideological indoctrination. Yeah. I'd absolutely recommend it as a, a good documentary to watch for that. It's a good idea. Any professors listening, use it in your classroom. <laughs> it's well worth it. Wheel out the, the TV, get the VCR running. Just, just, just be sure that you, um, uh, you know, careful at identifying students in your classroom that are like, already believe Sasquatch is real or think that JFK was killed by the CIA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. But that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Q, Into the Storm. Please check it out where it is available. And I'm going to take a moment right now to thank my guests, Josh and Aaron, for coming on to the show. Guys, thank you so much for coming on to this beefed up episode of Syndicates. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's always a pleasure. And if you want to hear more of Aaron, please check him out on his podcast, WSTR Galactic Public Access, wherever you find your podcasts. But if you'd like to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicates. That is C I N E D I C A T E. Syndicates on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have Discord? Feel free to join the growing film community there at syndicate.com forward slash Discord, where you can find myself and other podcasters and listeners talking about this show and others. But if we missed anything during this conversation, please send us a message at info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. Next to you and defend her still today. But there ain't no doubt I love this land. God damn.